welcome to Hitting Play, the podcast where we review, analyze, and discuss shows, movies, and other curiosities. <laughs> Scott, and joining me is Hamish. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's, that's the worst intro. Just... Did you want, did you want, I'll, I'll put an IM for you if you want to do it too. <laughs> for the part you came back and you went, Scott. <laughs> that's, that's, like, that's all it was <laughs> for this episode of the podcast we are doing something special this is going to be part one of a two-part look at a saturday morning cartoon block that ran in the mid 90s the marvel action hour also known as the marvel action universe so for this episode, we'll be covering an episode of Iron Man, the animated series. And in another episode, we'll be covering an episode of the Fantastic Four animated series, though the one from the 90s as well. And not only will we be discussing two shows from this block, uh, we've actually selected two episodes that aired back-to-back on a specific Saturday morning. So uh, yeah, you know, just kind of be interesting to see, like, these are the two episodes that aired together. Now, uh, before we get into this episode of Iron Man, let's first briefly talk about this block, the Marvel Action Hour. Now, Hamish, growing up, did you have uh, the Marvel Action Hour on uh, one of your channels? Uh, in a way, yes. I mean, it wasn't kind of packaged as the Marvel Action Hour, even though uh, they put the two episodes together. Because we, had, I, th- I remember watching it um, on a TV show we had here called Cheese TV. Mm-hmm. I believe it was still Cheese TV. Uh, this is an early morning uh, kid show, uh, and I'd package them, you know, uh, one after the other, but it wasn't called the Marvel Action Hour just because I have no idea why not. Uh, I'm I more or less knew it was the Marvel Action Hour from the comic books because they had ads. If you remember in um in the mid in the mid nineties, the comic books would have like you know Marvel Action Hour and you had you know Iron Man and um, uh, Fantastic Four. I think usually before a uh, image of what was that snack combo man they used to have. They had all the kind of Marvel action Marvel characters as a, some sort of character. Oh really? Some I food don't know. snack. You don't remember that? There's like a it's like a page where it has basically like Marvel uh, characters all spliced together to look like a humanoid body, but they're selling some sort of food, like combos. I think it was called. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I remember combos. I just don't remember that. That's weird. Yeah. Really? Oh, that's that's the main thing I remember because he <laughs> used to count like all the characters. Anyway, uh, and also the character was a monstrosity. But um, <laughs> yeah, I remember it being the Marvel action from the comic books. But also, yeah, on um, when I showed it here, yeah, it was just like here's Fantastic Four and here's Iron Man. Yeah, that's it. It wasn't it wasn't like packaged as that as such. The uh, the Marvel Action Hour. It was a block of programming. It was first distributed by Genesis Entertainment, and it was syndicated to various markets around the world. That's why I was wondering if it was you know advertised as the actual block for you. Uh, it mostly aired on TV stations that were owned by uh, New World Communications, and uh, it made its debut on the morning of September twenty fourth, nineteen ninety four. And the block ended on February 24th, 1996. Uh, it continued with reruns after that, because I, I definitely remember watching this well into 1997, 1998, around, around that time. But uh, that's the last time it aired new episodes, was in February of 1996. And depending on where you lived, you know, what market you were in, uh, these episodes could have aired on Fox, it could have been the WB, UPN, some other independent station. The Marvel Action Hour also briefly had a line of its own Marvel comics. Uh, kind of like how the X-Men animated series had the X-Men Adventures comics. So they were really, like, putting everything behind this. Really trying to cash in on these uh, 90s cartoons based on their properties. 
really for a long time, like the, these superhero cartoons weren't really seen as something that profitable, but really Batman the Animated Series really just changed the game. Uh, it, it was so brilliantly done, had such a, a great appeal. And I think Marvel kind of realized at that point, like, yeah, we should probably step it up and try to get some cartoons out, you know, as well. I love the X-Men animated series, but really you have to credit Batman, the animated series, as being like the preeminent superhero cartoon. I mean, that was so well done. Well, you know, it was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> pretty fancy, I gotta say. Uh <laughs> So I'm just trying to undercut one of the greatest animated films ever created. <laughs> just be like, yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, they, yeah, you know, they, they, yeah. used, they, they used the black backing instead of a uh, white paper. You know, they, <laughs> you know, just because it's revolutionary, whatever. You know, and the guy went on to make you know other shows. I mean, didn't Tiny Toons come out before this? So I'm trying to remember the order of things because I remember the. This is this is not a Batman podcast, but um, uh, I just remember the the test animation they had where Batman looked very rubbery. I just see. I never saw that. Yeah, so that it's, just, it's test animation. Uh, I think yeah, Bruce Tim did, and like it's just to show off. You know, they could do a Batman thing, but he comes up like very Looney Tunes rubbery. It's still Batman, but like he's dodging bullets by just standing there. Yeah, huh. yeah. It's uh, yeah, look it up. I'm again. I've gone on a sidetrack. We should go back to the Marvel stuff. We should also note that by the end of this run, the Marvel Action Hour was rebranded as the Marvel Action Universe, and. That's because for season two of Fantastic Four and Iron Man, it was accompanied by an episode of Biker Mice from Mars. So it extended past an hour, it became an hour and a half, and it had another Genesis cartoon that had already really been on the air for a few years. And I see, personally, I never really saw the appeal of that cartoon. I never watched it. To me, it seemed like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles ripoff, you know? So did you ever watch Biker Mice from Mars? Yes, yeah, did you like it? I, I, I liked the show. It was, they I think they a couple of years ago they they uh, rebooted Bike Mice from Mars. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know why there wasn't much of a call for it. You know, <laughs> I mean, if they're going to reboot something, I would have rebooted maybe Widget the World Watcher. I mean, cult status show. Okay. Am I making a reference to a show you don't know of? No, I I, I just don't know about the cult status, but uh, yeah, I'm there, aware. There, there is no cult status. I'm literally <laughs> saying things. Okay. It's, it's like this. I, I could have said, like, in when it came to, like, shows about environmental heroes, it's either Widget or Captain Planet. And we all yeah. want Captain Planet, but that, uh, there's no traction to that for some reason. They don't want kids playing with power rings and asking for a green-haired mullet hero who makes quips. <laughs> Very bad quips. But no, anyway, I, yeah, I watched Bike Mice from Mars. And the reboot, I didn't watch that because, I don't know, I, I guess it just wasn't, you know, my thing. Or I, I didn't see it on TV. But yeah, no, I remember the original. Yeah, it was... Very much like, hey, it's another Ninja Turtles. But so was like Street Sharks. Oh, for sure, yeah. You know, everybody yeah. had a thing. I mean, there's also Samurai Pizza Cats. You can always make the same excuse for that as well. <laughs> I mean, it's like the countless copies of Power Rangers. Like, you know, you had Power Rangers, but you also had like VR Troopers or Beetleborgs. Oh, yes. You know, there's always people out there trying to, you know, make exact copies of the most popular thing. So, for these episodes of the podcast, we're going to take a look at the episodes of Iron Man and Fantastic Four that aired on the morning of Saturday, November 4th, 1995. Really, there's no specific reason why we chose that date other than what the episodes were that happened to air on that date. Do, do you remember anything about what you were doing on November 4th, 1995? Well, you know, I, I was writing in my journal 
I was, you know, attending my boarding school, uh, riding horses in the field. Actually, I don't remember. I'm making all this up. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, no I don't remember. It's it's like I said, it's November. It's like all you do, you're just waiting to get over the hump to get towards December. That's it. I and mean, I think that's it. Especially playing with toys, mostly Spider-Man action figures. Yeah, same here. Probably safe bet. All right, let's first let's talk about the character of Iron Man. Uh, Iron Man. Wait, 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 wait. Hang on, Iron Man. No, this concept's too crazy for me already. Well, you know what? This is where we part ways. Okay. All right. Well, it's the end of the podcast. All right. Thanks for joining us. All right. Catch you around. All right. Bye. Iron Man. <laughs> now, Iron, Iron Man. Iron 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 Man. Yes. The character of Iron Man. The character not based off... itself. All right. Yes, he made his debut in Tales of Suspense number 39. That was March 1963, same year as the X-Men, a little earlier that year. The character was written by Stan Lee with additional development by his brother, Larry Lieber, and uh, he's also designed by Don Heck and Jack Kirby. And while his origin story has been portrayed in many different ways, uh, it mostly involves Tony Stark getting kidnapped, critically injured, and then creating an iron suit that not only saves his life, but helps him escape. Now, at the beginning, Iron Man, his suit was a very basic design, that gray metal suit with an antenna coming off the shoulder, which is pretty funny. Very tin can-like. A few issues later, the design remained the same, but he changed to a gold color, and that was a suit that he had when the Avengers first formed in 1963. Now, later in Tales of Suspense number 48, that was December of 1963, Iron Man adopted the the red and yellow color scheme that he's more associated with today. And his armor, oh my goodness, gone through a whole multitude of changes over the years, many with a mark designation, you know, to kind of keep track of it. Now, the for the cartoon that we're watching, the armor we see in this animated series is based off of the Mark 11 modular armor, for those keeping track. Oh, yeah, because everyone's got a scorecard at home. <laughs> it's like, oh, 11. Oh, the classic one. Here's the thing. I think it's it's that armor that he's got his most... I'd say the most iconic for the 90s. It's it's literally the, the suit which I remember... Like, if I ever drew Iron Man, it was always that suit. And, I mean, the movies mm-hmm. these days have really, you know, slicked it down. And the comic books have really... I mean, there's, multi, there's so many there's so many outfits. But again, even in the TV show, they make a, yeah, a point that he has so many outfits. Yeah. But also that helps sell toys. Because I remember there was like so many toys and oh, we'll, so many we'll variations. Get the, we'll get into the toys. There's plenty going on there too, yeah. But I, I'm with you. It, when it comes to the Iron Man armor, like when I picture Iron Man, I picture this armor that whatever it is, Mark 11. But that cartoon armor that was around uh, pretty close to what was in the comic books at the time when i was young and that's what i was watching on tv so when i think of iron man i think specifically of that i always think of um well two things i think of his suitcase that kept the armor in it yes because i think i think it was mostly no they didn't mostly in this tv show just to explain where the suit comes from um where it's like it's in a suitcase and turns into this thing and also the mullet from series two that's that's the two things (laughs) i remember for some reason because the animation changed from series one to series two series two for some reason no one like you know what tony Stark needs a mullet yes i mean i I get in the comic books he had like a mullet for a while mostly everyone for some reason had a mullet yeah superman had one yeah, Superman had a mullet, everyone, or like either a mullet or frosted tips. <laughs> like, I gotta say that because I think it's just the way they drew the hair when they wanted it spiky and it kind of had that kind of like blonde to black fade. Mm-hmm. You know, just be like, oh, he's blonde, but we don't want to make it all blonde. We'll just make it blonde, but with it the black. But yeah, I think most of the stuff I, I remember from the show is, you know, suitcase armor, which, you know, it's a good trope they used in Iron Man 2. 
in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that armor. I think for, yeah, most of the time in the in the nineties uh, was that it. That was it. Do you remember in season one? Because we're not gonna see it in this episode, so we might as well talk about it now. But do you remember in the first season they had like that computer generated like sequence, and it was Iron Man like opening his suitcase and the the armor coming out and him suiting up, but it was like a CGI image of him. Yeah. Like, Oh my goodness. Yeah. That, that's one of the things I remember most about this series. Like, just how awful that thing looked. I guess it's the equivalent of um, one of those anime kind of power-up situations. <laughs> they try. Where, you know, they'd always... Ca- or like a Power Rangers would have cut to like them doing the whole like, let's get ready, and they do a whole suiting up thing. I think it's more just because we had Iron Man uh, and uh, X-Men. Because X-Men and Iron Man both had that CG element in it. And also Spider-Man, the animated series, used CG in an interesting way. Yeah, uh, I guess because well, they did want to, they did want to render all those cityscapes, so they just you know <laughs> just blocks. made yeah just blocks and blocks. <laughs> I mean, the show series one of Spider Man the Animated Series was good, but it looks very clunky now. Where it's just like, oh, here's a, here's Spider Man jumping from a nicely animated or drawn background to weirdly blocks, just blocks and blocks and squares. Yeah, and, and in fairness to X Men, that that CGI imagery you're talking about was in the closing credits. For like a yeah. couple of the seasons, so it wasn't that bad. Like they didn't try to shoehorn those sequences in like they did in these other uh, animated series. Yeah, well, you know they, they're trying to be cool. Yeah, you know, trying to get on top of the bleeding edge. <laughs> also, bleeding edge is also what armor that Iron Man has. <laughs> Just throw any references I can. Now, Iron Man did have his own animated segments in an animated series called Marvel Superheroes in 1966. He actually had 13 of those segments in total. That that was more of like a motion comic looking thing. Very, very little animation. Very silly. Those weren't even released uh, on DVD for uh, at least in the US. So they're really hard to come by and there's really not much to see there anyway. But 1994, this was really the first time he had his own show. I, I mean, I wouldn't even consider those Marvel superhero segments his own series because he shared with Thor and Captain America, you know, your standard Marvel superheroes of the 60s. Uh, there was also, we should note, a, a series, I think it came out around 2009 or so. It was called Iron Man Armored Adventures. Did you ever see that one? Yeah, it, it was confusing. And talk about 3D animation. Yeah. It was all 3D animation. Uh, but also, they, for some reason, they decided to do the whole thing of, like, he's a young kid. Yeah, him and... He's a kid. I think Pepper Potts is a kid. I, I'm i not sure if yeah, James Rhodey's Rose a is kid. in it. Is he in that? Okay. I saw the first episode, and like, no, nah, this seems like it's a little kid show. Yeah, it, it's like just taking the, um, the IP and kind of going, like, hey, do you know what kids like? Kids and Iron Man. But also, yeah. Iron Man as a kid. You know, it's just... I mean, it, it, yeah, I, I, I don't understand. It makes no sense. Because yeah. it's like, so Iron Man made this, like, Tony Stark, sorry, it's like, Iron Man made the Iron Man suit. Tony Stark made the Iron Man suit when he was a kid. Now, in, in some versions, right, he did create the Iron Man suit as a younger kid. Yes. This was, I think, in the Ultimate comics. Like, they, he was, like, a super genius, and he started coming up with ideas for, like, technology and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. In one of the comics, he did he did become a kid in one of the comic book series, <laughs> yes. if you remember. Yes, I Like, do. that was... That was a very strange, strange time for him. Um, and I did reference that, I believe, in, was it uh, Avengers Assemble? The other, the other Marvel animated TV show, oh, which okay. is all the Avengers and stuff. Uh, but they made a reference to him being a kid because he got, like, was it 
youthed or whatever it is. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there, there, there have been some wacky kind of stories. Funnily enough, they don't, in any of these stories, I don't think in the anime series they uh, touch on his alcoholism. No, I think they kind of shy away from that, uh, you, you know, when it comes to Nickelodeon and, and Disney when it, with their animated uh, departments. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's the same with X-Men and Wolverine with these claws, but only attacking robots. Exactly, and, yeah. And Spider-Man and guns, where it's like all the guns are lasers and they look not like guns. Yeah, they're, they're important stories to tackle for sure, but maybe more for mature viewers or readers, you know what I mean? So yeah, you're probably not going to see that storyline show up on Nickelodeon or Disney. Uh, but the well, one more thing I should mention too. There was a series of anime series... It's like a series of series is what I'm trying to say uh, that uh, were commissioned by Marvel. Uh, I think Madhouse did the uh, anime series and there four separate anime series. There was Blade, there was X-Men, there was Wolverine and there was Iron Man. So Iron Man did have his own series uh, 2011, 2012, I think. And so that was a that was another series that that Iron Man had. So yeah, you know he's been around in animation and in various forms. So it's kind of neat. You can really get a, a wide variety of uh, animation styles and storytelling changes and everything. But uh, when it comes to Iron Man, and maybe it's just we're biased, maybe because we grew up with this series. But this is the one I think about this 1994 animated series. I think I read Robert Downey Jr. in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> it's like. Strange enough, he was becoming the character, and then he became the character, uh, and he's like, wow, you really matched up exactly to how the history of Tony Stark works. This is really odd. Or great casting. Uh, no, I'm going to say it's The Watcher. <laughs> the Watcher is pulling these threads together and turning Robert Downey Jr.'s life, career, and failures into actual fuel for him to be Iron Man, which he is. And apparently he has all the money that Marvel can give him. <laughs> every every time every time he does another movie, it's just like, well, five more dump trucks full of money coming to his house. <laughs> all right. So Iron Man, the animated series, the one we're going to be talking about in this episode, made its debut on the morning of September 24th, 1994. It lasted 26 episodes over two seasons. And in this series, instead of the main Avengers team that we associate Tony Stark with nowadays, obviously because of the movies. Instead, we get the team known in the comics at the time as Forceworks. And this team called Forceworks uh, was a now defunct Avengers offshoot. And in the cartoon, we get this lineup. So we get Spider-Woman, not the original one, not the one in the red and yellow costume, Jessica Drew. Instead, uh, we get the Spider-Woman in the black and white costume. This is Julia Carpenter. Uh, we also get Scarlet Witch and War Machine, who fans know very well now from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Although, oddly enough, this, this version of Scarlet Witch was named Wanda Frank in the cartoon. Well, you know, someone really liked hot dogs. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so, it's, I don't know, maybe because they wanted they, they couldn't use them. Maximoff. No, they could use... Yeah, I was thinking maybe they, they, they could probably have used that, but yeah. Yeah, maybe there was an issue with it. Because I was realizing that um, uh, Iron Man and the X-Men did cross over. And Spider-Man... Oh, there's and, a lot of crossovers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I don't know why it's called Wanda Frank. Yeah, it's weird. And she did use the Frank alias in the comics... But uh, it's weird that they used it as her name here. Uh, also notable for season one, uh, James Rhodes, you know, a.k.a. War Machine. He's voiced by the late James Avery, who is best remembered as Uncle Phil from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. But also, a lot of people forget, very 
prolific voice actor as well. Great voice actor. Most notably, he was Shredder in the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles series. He's also the voice of, uh, is it Maximal Prime in Beast Wars? Oh, okay. I see. I wouldn't know. I didn't watch that. You didn't watch Beast Wars? No, I didn't watch. Oh, I I have to leave. Oh, <laughs> I thought this. I thought this was a podcast for geeky people. No, listen. I'm, I not, like, I'm not saying. <laughs> I, hey, I, I I like the mainframe series of um, Beast Wars. It's a good Transformers series. Okay, I believe you. Yeah. But that's besides the point. <laughs> <laughs> we also uh, we don't get him in in this episode either but uh we also had in the series the character century do you remember him he was a very odd addition like an, he was an older looking guy with long hair he was actually an alien warrior that was genetically engineered with the combined strength and intellect of 100 of the best survivors from his home world and he also has a 100 year lifespan hence his name century also, it seems he's 100% forgettable, because no one knows who, who he is. Also, I'd like to make a correction. Yes. The character is Optimus Primal, not Maximus Primal. What am I talking about? Maximus oh. Primal? That's ridiculous. I mean, wow. sorry, I, I, I'm not trying to you know, push oh, this other character goodness. that we just talked about Sentry down further into his void. It's just, you know, I was thinking of more, the more important character. <laughs> who cares about Sentry? Sentry kind of just disappeared. I, unfortunately, I can't say I've seen him much in the comics. Like, they kind of just abandoned him. But there's a lot of characters they kind of abandoned. Oh, for sure. Yeah, but see, I don't remember him in the comics. I remember him from the series, and I remember I had, like, one trading card of him, and that that was it. He, he kind of just came and went. It's like, um... Oh, that's not that. I'd say Whiplash. No, he actually got... Yeah, he's actually come back a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Whirlwind, who... I haven't seen much of in the comics. He kind of just disappeared, and I don't think he'll ever appear in the movies. Uh, and not Goliath, the Rock guy, Grey Gargoyle. Ga- that's who he is. God, I, for some reason, keeps saying Goliath, and that's not him. It just had a goofy name, Grey Gargoyle. <laughs> and plus, his costume looked weird, just mm. whack. I think he had like he's basically all rock, and he had blue gloves or like purple gloves. Or something. Yeah, yeah. He had, had the a- blue gloves and the cape. I had the action figure of him. Yeah, and I just remember he also had a mustache, which he kept pretty tidy. Yes, yes, that was pretty yeah. funny, too. The only yeah. one with facial yeah. hair. Other than Mandarin. Also, it, you know, talking about this lineup, I think Wonder Man was dead at the time in the comics, so he wasn't really used in the series, so, he, you know, no appearance there. But also, there was U.S. Agent. He wasn't used in the series, and instead of him, he was replaced by another familiar face, Hawkeye. So, you know, of course, we're well familiar with him now because of the movies as well. I like how Hawkeye got upgraded because the Captain America fake... Couldn't yeah. make it. You know. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Hawkeye. Uh, we couldn't get Captain America, but we have the Captain America fake. Oh, wait, he can't turn up? Uh, I guess, all right, Hawkeye. I guess he can turn up. Now, the Mandarin was the main villain of the show, with many episodes focused on his obsession with stealing Stark technology. Uh, this version of the Mandarin had green skin and ten rings of power. Uh, aiding him in many of the episodes are other various villains from the Iron Man comic books. We have MODOK. Uh, Blizzard, Whirlwind, Backlash, Dread Knight, Grey Gargoyle, many others. Um, in the comics, though, they didn't really work together. Like, they weren't, you know, like a team, but they were in this show. You know, Mandarin was, uh, you know, leading them around. We also get some other villains from the comics, like Justin Hammer, Fin Fang Foom, Ultimo, and uh, the Crimson Dynamo. And so these episodes, especially in the first season, they were mostly these very simple, self-contained episodes. And there was always some plot. They're going to steal Tony Stark's technology. And as we've discussed, these characters are all from the pages of Marvel Comics, but 
oddly, most of these stories in the first season are not. You know, most of the episodes are original stories written by Ron Friedman, who was said to have collaborated with Stan Lee. So at least, you know, there was some original creator input there. But these first season episodes, they were uh, were very simplistic and they weren't that good. What are you talking about? They're amazing for me <laughs> as a small kid. Well, sure. The yeah, imagine- a- with a wild imagination. Yeah, as a kid, you're, I mean, obviously, but going back, there, there's there's a big difference between season one and season two. Uh, these first season episodes, they were animated by the Rainbow Animation Group, and uh, unlike Fantastic Four, which we will be talking about, uh, Iron Man did not start with an origin story. It, it didn't have an episode or multiple episodes. It got right into the action, very little character backstory, which some felt was a detriment to the show. And Iron Man didn't really have his origin explained until the 11th and 12th episodes, which is very, very odd for a show like this. It's like, we're talking about Batman the Animated Series, right? He didn't really have an origin story until uh, Mask of the Phantasm. Yeah, see, I don't know. To me, it seemed like we already had Batman movies at the time. Iron yeah, but, Man um, wasn't, it's, Iron Man then was not the Iron Man we have now. You know, because Iron Man is like, he went from kind of like a C-list superhero. He was, you know, a member of the Avengers. Now he's just like A-list, like top-tier Marvel superhero. That wasn't the case back then. You know, you really kind of needed a, a little bit of a backstory, a little bit filled in for you. Went to, you know, get the series started. Yeah, but like, again, this was when Marvel was still kind of in that kind of gray area with their animations. I mean, like, because they knew X-Men was hot, they knew Spider-Man was doing well. Yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't know how they were grading this, where it's like, oh, this is the best character that we have. It was like still in that kind of void where it's just like, well, you know, uh, DCF, Superman and Batman and, you know, mm-hmm. they seem to be doing really well. So yeah, I can understand where it's like, uh, no one really knows Iron Man. We'll just put him in a thing. Plus, also, maybe it's just, you know, they, could, they couldn't work a way of making episode one a traumatic story where it's just like, oh, hey, kids are really want to hook into this show about a guy who's in an accident. You know, you, you kind of have to softball it in for the kids. Yep. Now, in the second season, though, I mean, the show had a complete overhaul. It was like a completely different show. Animation was actually switched to Coco Enterprises. Writer Ron Friedman was replaced by Tom Tartaranowitz. And the original theme music... That was composed by Keith Emerson. Actually, this is Keith Emerson of Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. Uh, This original theme was replaced by our harder rock version by William Kevin Anderson, featuring electric guitars and uh, just the lyrics, I am Iron Man, over and over again. That's all you need. What are you talking about? I am Iron Man. I think as soon as he read the, the, you know, they're looking at the information that they've been given, they're like, all right, so this guy's called Iron Man. He's all about metal. Yeah, we got this. Done. Just the two things that we need. <laughs> you know, because come on, most of those shows in the 90s had like a, a, a blazing, well actually was it from like I think 80s, 90s had a blazing uh, guitar solo. I mean, just look at uh, Skeleton Warriors. That's got a good theme music. Or um, Eagle Hawks, which had that good kind of synth breakdown. I'll take your word for it. I didn't watch any of those. <laughs> I, think, I think there seems to be a, a huge delineation here where it's like, Hamish, hey, how much TV have you watched? No, and no, how see, much I watched a lot. T- no, I, I'm sorry. I watched a lot too, but <laughs> those were, the, and those aired over here. I just did not wa- watch them. Well, Skeleton Warriors at least aired over here. And I, I just, yeah, I didn't. I, 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 I was sitting there as a kid making notes of everything, going, <laughs> I'm going to need this in the future. No, yeah, it's just for some reason everyone had, like, a, a huge blazing guitar solo. I mean, you know, X-Men had it. 
Yeah, you know, yeah. They the, they they didn't go for the whole you know let's do something soft and educational. It's like let's just you know get out the guitars, really wake kids up, and annoy the parents. And this had the I am Iron Man over and over and over again. <laughs> Which because you know, it's, it works so well. Because yeah, the, what, what are the initials yeah. of Iron Man? I and M. I am Iron Man. Oh, see, I never even put that together. That's interesting. Huh. <laughs> what? <laughs> really? Yeah. No, I just thought it was up I until thought, now. Yeah. Because because the letters are I and M. I am Iron Man. Even if you just say it, you don't have to say I am Iron Man. Like I, you know, I am Iron Man. It's I, then the letter M. Then Iron Man. I just thought it was like an Ozzy Osbourne tribute or something. <laughs> well, I don't know. Here's the thing. I think this is going around in the circle, though, because, you know, he, he. I think Iron Man was obviously around before Ozzy Osbourne made that song, and then, you know, the song comes out, and so we've kind of done a big old circle back on itself. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it's nice. It's, it's not like, you know, like Batman 66. Where the, the lyrics are actually just the word Batman. So this had really four times the words in this song. So, you know, it's well, a step up. Well, you know, Spider-Man, the animated series had Spider-Man, Spider-Man, and then like radioactive like, blood and Spider-Man does it. <laughs> yes. Some great, great lyrics. Though, yeah. Because if you, if you listen to the end theme music from the show, it was just like spider blood, spider, spider blood. blood, radioactive spider blood. Yeah. But but again, that was a good theme. I, I was hooked into that. And here's the thing. That's a good uh, redoing of the original Spider-Man theme anyway. Mm-hmm. They mentioned radioactive spider blood in that, right? Yeah. Plus, you know, it still has, you know, a couple of chords from the original series. Yeah. So yeah, we're talking about season one to season two, you know, changes behind the scenes, but really the episodes changed dramatically too. The series now had multi-episode story arcs, and many of them drew from source material in the comics. Uh, Tony Stark, who you mentioned with the mullet, he had the long hair, because in the 80s he did have that style of hair. There's some episodes here uh, that come up where he fakes his death. And it leads to Force Works actually disbanding. You know, it gets into some serious things. Also, season two, uh, Spider-Woman, her voice changes from Casey DeFranco to Jennifer Hale. Uh, we get uh, Iron Man's basic armor being adjusted. In season one, if you notice, his helmet had an opening for his mouth. In season two, they went with the mouthless design because that was in the comics. James Rhodes... He goes through a lot of changes. He he was voiced by James Avery, as I mentioned. Now he's voiced by actor Dorian Harewood, who, by the way, was also one of the biker mice from Mars. So that worked out. In the season two here, War Machine develops this fear. He's you know he he's afraid of getting trapped in his suit and drowning. He he spends most of the season actually out of the War Machine armor, and then finally he overcomes his fear. So the episodes became a little better plotted out. Uh, they're written to touch on some serious themes. You know, they're really trying to correct what people did not like about the, the first season. Also, instead of the Mandarin just showing up and getting foiled every week, you know, like as if it was G.I. Joe or Transformers or whatever, uh, now he lost his Ten Rings of Power. And at the end of these episodes, he would show up briefly in these scenes where he was tracking them down one by one. So you had this little, not quite post-credit sequence, post-story sequence, and it was really building up to something here. I mean, those, it's, it's just every time you see him in those post-credits things, it, it like, you know, I think in the one that we saw, he's at an auction. It's just, like, it's not like, I would use my powers from these rings and, you know, destroy things. It's mostly like, hey, can I get that ring? 
can I, yes. can I, just get, can I get that back for you? And it's like, no, I paid a million dollars for this. And it's like, okay, I'll meet you in the car park and I'll knock you out and I'll take it. Well, don't skip ahead, don't skip ahead. That's not spoiling anything. It's literally what he does. It's not, not even a dramatic battle. It's just like, hey, give me that. But, you know, I like it this way. You know, first of all, it builds up to, uh, you know, a final confrontation, which is good. But also, if we had one episode where Mandarin just goes around collecting all ten rings in the in the episode, that would be the most boring thing in the world. So I'm glad that they paced it out like this. It, it gave some continuity to the episodes. It also didn't really bore us. You know, it just, we got the story somewhere else and then came back to Mandarin. So that, that was much better. But despite all of these big changes they made for Season 2, the ratings didn't improve. The show was ultimately cancelled, sharing the same fate as Fantastic Four. Really, the entire Marvel Action Hour just kind of cancelled all together. But um, before we go any further now, we, we should also mention that this show, like many Marvel cartoons of the time, had its own line of Toy Biz action figures. So Hamish, d- did you have any of these? We have to talk about this. I, I, I had like the... Um... A couple, I'd say. Because these mm-hmm. like, they had a lot of parts, yes. I gotta say. Like, they had this kind of snap-on armor accessories. Like, you'd buy the toy, but then you'd have this whole other thing where you could, had, like, the wrist armor, the ankle armor, the other arm armor, the chest mm-hmm. armor that you'd put over the suit. And the thing is, like, I got one of these figures, like, the, the main figure of the show, I guess you say, the, the Mark 11 suit. The regular Iron Man, Yeah. Yeah, the yellow and red suit, uh, yeah. which I'd say gold and red, but yeah, whatever. Yellow's yellow's gold. Um, but like, I, I got the action figure without the armor. Uh, I I borrowed the toy from a friend and I never returned it. I don't remember <laughs> which friend, so that's that, that makes it hard for me to return it now. Sure. Um, sure. But like, I, I remember borrowing it and it did have all the armor on it. But like, what he did was he actually, I think he actually glued the armor on there. Like, you know, in, with all the... Because, like, like, the arm had little pegs that you put into holes in the body. Yes. Uh, and I remember he glued them all on there. So, you know, you'd have the whole suit. But it was very clunky. Like, you, you move the toy around, you had these little extra wide armor bits, which is too clunky for the toy. So, you just take them off and it's fine. Looks good. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I just remember there was, like, a whole variety of these Iron Man action figures. Just because, again, in the show, he has multiple suits. So, it's like, all right, well, guess we'll make multiple toys. They certainly you know. did, yeah. But that's the same thing in like Iron Man uh, 3, where he has multiple suits of armor. Oh yeah, it's definitely a part of the character. But yeah, just going back to what you said about that base figure, I, I bought that too. It was actually pretty hard to, to find, but I, I was able to find it at Toys R Us when I was a kid. And um, yeah, it was the weirdest thing because the base figure looked like the Iron Man on the show. So like, that's really all you needed. But he had these giant holes like in his chest and his shoulder and his shins on his wrists, you know, on his belt. And you had to put these shiny plastic pieces. So it was like armor over armor and it didn't look right. It just looked weird. So it's like you wanted to just take all the pieces of armor off and have the regular Iron Man figure. But he also had all these holes all over him. It's kind of weird. But uh, it it was a great toy line. As a kid, I was able to get a lot of the characters because I would... You know, spend my allowance, like, every week I would try to get, like, a a new figure. And uh, there was a lot of figures that came out that weren't out at that point. So, like, you know, Mandarin and MODOK and Spider-Woman, Hawkeye, uh, War Machine, you know, especially Iron Man. Because they put out some Iron Man figures when I was, like, really little. And they were were really terrible. Like, this was the best Iron Man figure to date. 
But um, another, I gotta mention about this, another cool addition to the toy line. Toy Biz really made some cool Marvel characters. And one thing that they made for this toy line was Fin Fang Foom, the giant green dragon, the, the old Jack Kirby monster from the 50s. Uh, he came in a large box. He cost a lot more than the other figures. And, uh, you know, for Marvel fans, a very big deal because Fin Fang Foom is just this giant dragon-like alien. And what, actually, one of the few Marvel monsters of that era that's still around in the comics and the other notable monster from that era is a, a tree monster from Planet X named Groot, who I think might be a little more famous now. I, I don't think so. I mean, no. <laughs> talk, talking trees, ridiculous. ridiculous. I know, crazy. Yeah. Talk about the Marvel toys. They were pretty good. Like, they had a good run of toys, generally, yeah. Marvel in the 90s. I don't know what they're doing recently, but they, they're kind of bad. <laughs> like, if you ever noticed, like, I think it was the Infinity War toys or any of the Marvel recent toys that they have based off movies or anything like that, they're not good. I could buy Spider-Man toys with, like, bendable knees and, like, movable hips these ones don't really do that. Like, you can move, like, I think some of them you can move the hips, but, like, the legs are all straight and they don't move anymore. Yeah. Especially the new series, uh, that Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, those figures don't really move. Like, the arms move, but you can't move, like, the legs, which is the most important part about Spider-Man and his ath- athletic ability. Like, they, <laughs> they don't move. Like, I was looking at them going, oh, they just stand there. You know, I, I'm glad I got the ones when, when I collected them as a kid. See, I don't, I don't really buy them anymore, so... I haven't yeah, seen them. That, that's what I'm finding weird. It's like, you know, the Marvel movies are making more money, but the toys are getting worse. Like, just, they're, not <laughs> as, they're, not, they're not as cool as they used to be. Like, something has gone amiss. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't really buy those toys anyway. It's just like every time I've gone through, you know, department stores or anything like that, and you see, like, they have a whole, whole display, and, like, you look at them going, oh, that's pretty cool. But, yeah, like the, some of these toys don't look, yeah, they don't look, like well painted or finished i don't know it's just something's got something's gonna miss over at marvel and they're making the wrong toys i, I don't think kids i don't think kids are getting a really cool athletic spider-man action figure they're getting a very stiff no. stilted toy back in the day these marvel toys they came with like a bunch of other little things like the the x-men figures came with trading cards taped in the back also yeah, um, to that that i guess they just don't do it anymore well do they even have the cards anymore? I think they're starting to bring them back. I think I read that uh, they're bringing back the Fleer X-Men cards like they had back in the day. But yeah, it's just something they don't do anymore. And these Iron Man figures, I don't know if you remember, they had uh, ID tags packaged with the figures. Like Stark Enterprises ID tags. And you could actually clip them on to like your, you know, your pocket or whatever and wear them. It's pretty funny. Yeah, the Spider-Man action figures had little badges as well. Yeah, little clip-on badges. I don't know. It's, it's I don't know. Kid, kids are getting some weird toys. That I, they're not educational. I'd, I'd say they're just very odd. I'd say, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't know what's going on. But that's it's strange from the the way they used to make toys to now. I don't know what rules they're following, but it, it doesn't seem like you know they, they're fun toys. They seem very, you know, non-workable. I don't know what happened, but yeah, these Iron Man figures had like a huge variety. Now, just like the X-Men figures, you know, they had, they always had to have a Wolverine variant every time they released, like, here's six new figures, or, you know, seven new figures. There's always a Wolverine in the mix. Well, with every new round of figures, the Iron Man line had tons of Iron Man armor variants. So, 
We had lava armor Iron Man, hydro armor, stealth armor. I mean, it was ridiculous. It just The only one that I actually bought was the Hulkbuster Iron Man suit, because I thought that was really cool. And that, that did show up in the, the cartoon as well. It was like this real, like, beefed up version of Iron Man. I think he actually appeared twice, though, because I think it was in um, an Iron Man episode, but also in a Hulk episode. Yes, yeah. There was a yeah. there was a crossover there, yeah. Yeah, see, getting some use out of that uh, big old thick armor. And we all saw the armor again in um, Age of Ultron. Yes, in the movies, we definitely saw it. So, yeah, it be- became more famous. Is it more famous or just equally famous? Well, you know what I mean. Now it's got its own Lego set and everything, the Hulkbuster Iron Man. So it's uh, elevated status of all the suits. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you know, they did, it did get a second usage in um, Infinity War. All right, now let's get right into this episode. Now, for this episode of the podcast, we watched the episode entitled Iron Man on the Inside. Uh, This would have been the first episode of the block to air, and because this is season two, this was the first episode that aired of the Marvel Action Universe instead of the Marvel Action Hour. There was also a Biker Mice from Mars episode that aired, but we're not... You're not going to be covering that in this this two-parter. Now, uh, if you want to follow along, I don't think this show is currently streaming anywhere. It did have a DVD release, I want to say around 2010. And the last time I checked, it was about $15 on Amazon. And I believe you can purchase it on iTunes. So, um, you know, if you want to follow along with us, I, I watched uh, on my old DVD set. Uh, this episode was directed by Dan Thompson, who also directed episodes of the Incredible Hulk animated series. Uh, that was also running at this time, as we mentioned, as well as uh, some episodes of Rugrats, G.I. Joe. He did a whole bunch of kids shows, and he was a producer on the Tick animated series. Uh, this episode was written by Steve Cudden, who wrote episodes for also a ton of cartoons, including uh, The Batman, X-Men, The Mask, Goof Troop, Savage Dragon, and even the 2006 reboot of Biker Mice from Mars. So, good for him. <laughs> so, getting into this episode, we, we begin with a cold open on uh, Stark headquarters at night. Tony Stark is staying up late. He's reviewing data before a uh, big computer conference that they're going to have the next day. And he talks to his sentient computer program, Homer. And we see that Tony is just so tired that he mistakes a 10 on the screen for a 100. And uh, it's at this point that Homer suggests that Tony go to sleep. Now, uh, Tony, we should mention here, he's uh, voiced by Robert Hayes, who you may remember best from the Airplane movies. I don't know if you ever saw those, Hamish. Oh, yeah. It depends which version you want to say, either Airplane or Flying High. Flying High? What's that? No, that's, that was, it was renamed. That's, it's got two names. Oh, really? Overseas, they must call it that. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, that's the, like, yeah, that's the, it's, it's, it's called either Airplane or Flying High, and it's still the same <laughs> movie. Like, nothing's changed. It's, it's just literally the branding of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's funny. I never knew that. Yeah. Weird. Okay, but uh, Tony is uh, reminded that it's too late to go to sleep uh, as Tony's associate and company COO Julia Carpenter enters the lab with two steaming cups of coffee. She still cares for Tony, even though their wedding ceremony from a previous episode was just a fake marriage. Yeah, it's just kind of, you know, something that's brought up and that's, you know, again, keeping a little continuity through these episodes. Uh, They tie together a little bit. Well, here's the thing, like, as, as we're bringing up, it seems very familiar to people who've seen the, like, let's say the TV show, not TV show, the movies, right? Like, Homer is not Jarvis. You know, he's, yeah. it's an AI program that's not the thing that we know. And, you know, her relationship with Tony Stark is kind of like Pepper Potts, but she's not in this show. Yeah. And, and you know what's weird, too, is there is a brief, like, screenshot of Homer in one of the movies. 
Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's funny. But yeah, no Jarvis. We get Homer. So yeah, you can kind of equate the relationships here to what we see in the movies. Uh, we should mention here too, uh, Julia is no mere company executive. She's also Spider-Woman. And uh, so she's a lot closer to Tony than the average Stark employee. Now, uh, just a little backstory on Julia Carpenter here. As I mentioned, she's the second Spider-Woman, the one with the black and white suit. Uh, she also used the alias Arachne, and at one point she became the second Madam Web. Uh, she made her first appearance during Marvel's Secret Wars miniseries from the 80s. Uh, she made a cameo appearance in issue number 6, full appearance in issue number 7. Those were uh, October and November 1984, written by Jim Shooter and drawn by Mike Zeck. And uh, I guess her origin is like she was part of a secret so-called athletic study, and it was an experiment in which she was injected with exotic plant extracts and spider venom. Okay, so... <laughs> okay, it's not like Spider-Man, we'll say no. that. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. They were really on top of the whole, let's create another spider character since, you know, a female spider character yeah. since the popularity of Spider-Man. So, yeah, they were already on top of that. But they made another... They already had Spider-Woman at this time, but they were making... Wait, no, we needed another Spider-Woman. Another Spider-Woman, yeah. So, yeah, you have the Spider-Man, depending on if you want to remove the whole clone saga, and then you have the two Spider-Women, <laughs> who are very different, who have their own origin stories and very different to one another, both with spider powers. Yeah, I think in this generation that we live in today, uh, I think it's allowed that, you know, there should be more Spider-Women, which there is. There's a lot more Spider-Women now. Oh, yeah, definitely. Now, one last interesting side fact about Julia, as I mentioned, she made her full debut in Secret Wars issue 7, the very next issue, Secret Wars number 8. That's an iconic issue. It's uh, where Spider-Man encounters the the alien symbiote and changes to his black costume. And uh, from what I read, I this is like on the Wikipedia for the character. I thought this was interesting. It said that uh, it's revealed that Spider-Man thinks that on a, on a subconscious level, he made his black costume take a form similar to Julia's black and white costume, which of course, you know, we know that becomes the Venom costume. So I just thought that was kind of an interesting side point but again i took that from wikipedia so you know maybe citation needed for that one but uh kind of interesting to think when you see tom hardy going around with his uh suit in the movies that uh, maybe julia carpenter had some inspiration there somewhere down the line back in the 80s wait you mean the recent movie with tom hardy yeah he's, he's got no spider on the suit no but he's got the the black base costume the white eyes it's uh you know again yeah, it's I think it's because the symbiote has, like, eyes. Right. <laughs> so, wait, you know the, whole, the, whole, the whole idea of Venom is basically like, nah, I'm going to steal someone else's style. It's a pretty good idea. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. What? Tom Hardy's whole thing is basically secretly, you know, wishing that there's more of a selection in the male clothing lines. <laughs> is that it? Is that what he's saying? I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying now. I don't I, know. I think that works. All right, now back to the episode, sorry. Now, Julia, she calls uh, her re relationship with Tony professional, but you can tell uh, that there are some feelings here. That, that she's still a little hurt from that whole experience, even though she claims, oh, the marriage would have been a mistake for the both of us. And they have a good laugh about it, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Next. It's like, <laughs> you're right. Uh, this, is, this, this whole fake situation isn't emotionally jarring for either one of us at all. Now, next, uh, Tony demonstrates for Julia his, uh, his great machine here, the Molecular Expander. It's an invention that he hopes will increase the world's food supply and is only about two years from being perfected. So he turns on the machine, 
It's this thing that fires a beam down onto a potted house plant, and uh, the plant rapidly begins to grow before quickly withering and dying. I, I like this machine because its original name was the Copyright Infringement Machine, which Hank Pym <laughs> <laughs> would have designed. Anyway. That's the thing. It's like, you're just doing Hank Pym's thing. Like, you're literally just jacking his stuff. Like, you know, I'm surprised he didn't turn up like, hey, what are you doing? You stealing well, it, my bit? Is he, though? Because it's, it's really weird because, well... Molecular expander basically will learn, you know, okay, it's a grow ray, then you can reverse it, becomes a shrink ray. But he's talking about increasing the world's food supply, and he's shining this beam onto a potted plant. Well, the the pot that it's in doesn't grow. The plant starts to, like, grow and then wither. Like, the plant ages. It doesn't grow in size. Like, you know, like a, a, a small tomato doesn't become, like, a beach ball-sized tomato, and that's going to solve the world's food problems. It just seems like he makes the plant age. Nothing gets bigger, it just gets older. That's the it's, thing. I think that's what I Hank, Hank, Pim's, Hank, Hank Pim is on top of this, because remember, he, he can shrink and grow as well. Right. Uh, and he has that thing locked down, so maybe this is Tony Stark going like, hey, I'm going to try and steal an idea and uh, make it my own, but uh, let's do some tests on this. Um, so, you know, this, this obviously technology seems very faulty, but he's still trying to steal his stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's stopping Hank Pym from actually making giant bananas and giant cakes. (laughs) So later as Tony and Julia are on their way out of the building, they're met by Clint Barton, who Tony calls Hawkeye. We just call him Hawkeye, even though he's not in costume. Tony is pleased to see him, but the feeling is not mutual. Uh, Clint is just there to clean out his locker. Still upset from the events of the previous episodes where, you know, Tony faked his death and the whole team disbands. And Clint is also mad at Julia for her silence during the drama with Tony and the team. And uh, Clint starts pointing his finger in Julia's face, and that's when Tony steps in to confront him. But the situation ultimately is diffused by Julia. She's just ready to leave. They have the conference to go to. So, cutting to Tony's private jet, Julia makes final preparations as the jet's pilot. And they speed down the runway, and as they do, they're surprised to see there's the giant robot Ultimo, who Tony, earlier in the, the series, he had earlier defeated Ultimo. But there he is now, standing menacingly on the end of the runway. And I guess this is still the Stark Industries premises? It just doesn't make sense, because basically the way it's cut, it's all like he's looming in the shadows. Ultimo is like a giant, like, is it five-story tall robot? He's huge, Maybe yeah. Bigger. He's big. Yeah. And it's like, you'd see him from a mile away and hear him. <laughs> but for some reason, in this, in the way it's animated, it's like, they're getting ready to go and fly off in these cool, what's it, autopilot jet thing, whatever you would call it. And then he's just like, bang, here I am. Yeah. It's not, there's no lead up to it. It's just like, here he is. No security it's, it's like, in the area, though? Like, no, like, oh, there's here's a big robot on the runway, guys. Yeah. Like, there, there is a control tower we will see later. Like, I, I guess there's no one in there. Yeah, but it's like, in the, the way it's animated, it's like, the robot, this huge giant Goliath, is just there, and just happens to, like, just peek out of nowhere. <laughs> it's like, no one heard it coming, like, thumping down the road. No one could mm-hmm. lean out the window and go, like, there's a giant robot hiding behind a bush. It's just there, and it, it attacks them. They really just get into this pretty quickly. Now, just a little backstory on this character of Ultimo, and not to be confused with another robot, Ultron. He made also, that's a, another Hank Pym reference. I mean, if they make an Ultron, yes. Hank Pym's like, well, that's, that's my thing again. Yeah, yeah. Well, he just doesn't exist in this cartoon, I guess. Just, just jacking all his stuff. 
<laughs> so Ultimo made his first appearance in Tales of Suspense, cameo in number 76, full appearance in number 77, April and May 1966. He was another Stanley character with art by uh, Gene Colan. Now Ultimo is the, a giant ancient android. He was created by an alien civilization that was ultimately destroyed by their own creation. Uh, Ultimo ended up fighting another alien race while traveling the cosmos. Uh, he wiped out all of them except for a small group, and that small group finally got Ultimo to crash land on Earth. And in comics continuity, I guess that happened in the 1840s. So years later, he came under the control of the Mandarin, who used Ultimo as a weapon against Iron Man. This happens in the cartoon as well in an earlier episode. But since then, Ultimo has also been under his own control, but has still fought Iron Man in the comics. So, you know, just this one of Iron Man's many villains, and here he is just showing up again. And for anyone else who lives in Australia, Ultimo is, you know, it's an inner city suburb of Sydney in New South Wales. <laughs> that is very funny. <laughs> just, just, to, just make sure we're not getting confused. Where you know, let's say, let's say a very, uh, very Australian listener who listens to this show and goes, "Ultimo, what's Ultimo doing? Like an entire, how's the ground attacking Iron Man? Stupid thing." <laughs> just turns it off. <laughs> so uh, Julia is trying to get the jet up in the air at a very sharp angle. You know, she's going straight towards Ultimo, so she's trying to pull up with the jet, but. The jet is caught and held by Ultimo, preventing their escape. Now, just to give listeners an idea of scale here in the cartoon, Ultimo's arm span is about the length of the private jet. So he's kind of got it gripped by the nose and the wing, and he's like holding it like a large guitar. It's very funny. So just before we fade out of the scene, we cut to the cockpit as Tony and Julia see Ultimo's giant face looking at them through the windshield. And uh, Tony makes the comment, All things considered, I'd rather be in Detroit. And I'm like, why is he saying that? Like, is that a slam on the city of Detroit? But it, it turns out later in the episode, we find out that's where the computer conference is being held. So it's like, okay, well, that's why he said it. But it doesn't really make much sense to say that. Well, the next thing he says, like, I'm going to slip into something more comfortable. It's like, not the, this is not the time for, like, levity. Yeah, he's trying to make these jokes. Like, that, like, that was gonna, one, we're yeah. Gonna, we're going to die because a giant robot... And it's like, yeah, well, it's time for me to slip into a nice martini. Yeah, you know, it's like <laughs> something stupid like that. It's like, I don't, I don't get your stress levels, man. Now, from here, we cut to the opening sequence. And as we mentioned, this was updated for season two, has an all new song and visuals. And I'll, I'll try to describe it. it. It begins with the now mulleted Tony Stark. He's hammering onto an anvil <laughs> in a dramatically lit scene. And, uh, of course, because this is Iron Man, it's not just a hammer and an anvil. It's a technologically advanced hammer that connects to, like, this robotic arm, and it's attached to his own arm. We get the I Am Iron Man song, and uh, we see all kinds of computer screens, armor blueprints, and Tony's working in this very dark workshop, and there's steam rising. With every strike of his hammer, we see projections of Tony's various Iron Man armors rise against the wall beside him. Hey, kids, they're all for sale at Toys R Us and all the local toy stores. Uh, Tony pulls chains with all of his might and it pours a large container of molten metal down a track to an armor-shaped mold. Tony pulls levers and we see sparks and, and uh, Tony begins to weld his helmet. And next, he steps into an open spot on the workshop floor. It has just when the electric guitar... The, the solo kicks right in. We get these two large metal rings encircling Tony, attaching the Iron Man armor to his body piece by piece. 
And uh, now suited up, we see he gets surrounded by uh, crackling electricity, which changes his armor into other specialty suits. Now, we got to talk about that. That That's something I believe they uh, they added as a new ability in Season 2. So, you know, Iron Man can now make an instant change to a specialty armor whenever he feels like it. So it's really kind of a cheat in the writing. Yeah, it works pretty well. I mean, you know, it, it, it cuts out time with him going, all right, time to put on my aquatic armor. I'll be back in 15 minutes. You yeah, know, it's yeah, like exactly. that. It's like... That's like, whoa, this aquatic situation has become more of a stealth situation. I gotta put on my stealth suit. All right, I'll be back in an hour. <laughs> it's like, I gotta leave and come back. Um, but, you know, like, that, that opening part, it's, uh, it's a pretty saucy opening. You know, a shirtless man putting, you know, <laughs> hitting some steel, sparks, iron, guitars. I mean, it is very 90s. I mean, very serious. Know, the, the equivalent would be if he stopped halfway through and drank a Coke. You know. <laughs> I was like, oh, this hot steel has made me hot. Time to have a Coke. Or a Fanta. No, Sunkissed. That's it. Sunkissed. Do you remember that Sunkissed ad? No. Okay. But I'm alone in this one. <laughs> this has nothing to do with Iron Man except tin. The cans. The cans are made of tin. Okay. Iron yeah, Man. Bringing it back. Bringing it back. Anyway, Iron Man. That opening was better than the first one. The first one felt like... In comparison... Yeah, the first series had a very... I wouldn't say good music. Like, it wasn't very memorable. Like, I remember it because it sounded very educational. Yeah, very generic. But And it also had a lot of the uh, villains that showed up and the superheroes. And they ha- we had these little uh, graphics that appeared on screen to tell you yeah. their names. I-, I guess that was pretty helpful early on, you know, so you could learn who the characters are. But th- this was very dramatic. No, it's so good. That's it. It's, it's just really good. I mean, yeah. again, it helps at the fact that the entire lyrics is "I am Iron Man." Oh, that's yeah. it. That's it. And then a huge guitar solo, yeah. and then explosions and stuff. It's so good. <laughs> he gets the suit put on him. He blasts his way through an opening in the workshop roof, and he's flying under the moonlit sky. And we even get a brief shot of Tony's POV because he sees the mountainous terrain through like these red lenses. Yeah. And then he lands and pumps his fist in the air. And it's the funniest thing because we get this giant steel slab that closes over the screen. And because it's the 90s, that's not extreme enough. So we get a clanging sound as Iron Man punches his fist through the metal from the other side, embossing it with the shape of a giant fist. And then electricity <laughs> surrounds the fist, turning it into the words Iron Man, you know, the actual logo from the comics. Then a glowing beam moves across the logo, turning everything from that, you know, silvery color to gold. And that's how we finally end. It was like, all right, we need two more seconds, three more seconds. Like, what else can we add here? Yeah, but X-Men had that electric effect over the X-Men logo, remember? Not like five times. It didn't change like <laughs> that yeah. much. It was, it was I, pretty I, funny. It was, it was a bit of extreme, I know. But remember, they also had the title cards for the X-Men too, because remember, they thought nobody knew these characters. Yeah, and they needed it, too. Yeah. Know, so many characters. But no, here's the one thing that annoyed me from that opening, and it always gets me. It's just like, it's so good except that one part. He punches, like, with the, was it, one arm, and then the yeah. fist is the other hand. Oh, you know? is it really? I didn't notice that, no. Yeah, if you look at it, he does the whole thing where he, he punches with, uh, I think it's, it's his left hand, and it comes out as right on the metal. <laughs> like, it's the wrong hand. It's like, you, that was the wrong one. Like, unless it's supposed to be like he's doing a double punch, but instead it just looks like at the end of his little sequence of him flying around, it's like him doing the whole, yeah, fist up in the air thing, a la Breakfast yeah. Club. And 
yeah, I, it's just one of those things that really irked me. Like, it was a good opening, except for that one thing where it's just the wrong hand <laughs> punching the metal. Well, anyway, from that extreme opening, it brings us to the title of the episode, Iron Man on the Inside, and some opening credits. Now, when we return to the story, Ultimo is still holding Tony's jet, and as Julia maneuvers the jet out of Ultimo's grasp, Tony slips into something less comfortable, as you mentioned, the Iron Man suit. Julia encounters a problem on board the jet as Iron Man then goes out and flies at Ultimo, blasting him with hand lasers. Ultimo just reaches out and grabs <coughs> Iron Man, squeezing him tightly in his fist. And then just then, an arrow flies from off screen, exploding in Ultimo's face, freeing Iron Man from the grip. And we cut down to the ground and there's Clint now in his Hawkeye costume. So in so many words, he tells Tony that just because he no longer works for the company, it doesn't mean he's no longer a superhero. So meanwhile, as this is going on, Julia loses control of the jet and it flies towards the control tower. She jumps out. Iron Man catches her. <laughs> the jet crashes and explodes. Yeah, but that's just the thing. Isn't it? Like, he goes out, saves her. But then they're like, don't worry, we'll just let the, cra the plane crash. Yeah. Like he, does, he doesn't attempt to go, maybe I can grab it and like let it land. No, he just kind of goes, well, it's heading for that control tower. Yeah. No, evidently nobody's there, you know, because Ultimo just like walked right on the, the premises and like no one cared. There's maybe like one person working there or something, like the guy at like, you know, the front counter or something. That's it. <laughs> yes. there's, there's no one in the radio, there's no one in the control tower to say, all right, Tony, my best friend of the years and years, my good old work buddy, you know, time for you to fly off. But instead it's like, no, nah, I'll do it myself. Maybe it's, maybe that's because of Homer does everything for him. But here's the I thing, guess, right? yeah. Like, Clint and uh, the Tony Starks uh, had a bit of a, you know, a row beforehand. And, like, yeah, they're setting up this whole thing where, like, oh, they just, oh, they'll never they have, you know, issues with each other and they'll never solve these problems. They're so angry at each other. Ugh. But then, like, Clint's like, well, I'm still a superhero. But also, for some reason, they couldn't animate Hawkeye's outfit properly, <laughs> if you noticed. He kept on losing the shirt. Like, oh. <laughs> remember, he, he's, his mask basically it kind of feeds into, like, a shirt that's supposed to, you know, it? it's supposed to cover his pectoral region, we'll say. But for some reason, if you notice, it keeps disappearing. Because I'm guessing <laughs> the animators, because they kept on coloring it, like, flesh-colored. Because I guess they thought he was wearing some sort of fancy-looking, like, I don't know, a just, like, jumpsuit or something? <laughs> I don't know, because, like, it keeps disappearing from scene to scene, where it's like, he's wearing a shirt, and then he's not wearing a shirt over his costume. Yeah, I mean, that happens. Back in the cell animation days, you'd get the coloring problems. Now, um, as we mentioned, you know, the, the jet crashes right into the control tower. Iron Man saves Julia, but Hawkeye, he's still on the ground fighting Ultimo with arrows. He's now directly <laughs> under the falling rubble. <laughs> the whole thing's basically Iron Man's fault. Yeah. <laughs> Where it's like, you could have caught the plane, and what happens? Yeah, just, this is not ruining anything. But, like, it crashes into the tower, and then the debris yeah. just lands on Hawkeye. Yeah. Big Chunk crashes down right on him. Ultimo, he's knocked out on his back because Hawkeye's actually the only one actually fighting him effectively. So Ultimo's down on his back. Hawkeye is so focused on that fight, he doesn't realize that there's just a big piece of debris or whatever just plop right down on him. <laughs> so Iron Man, he lands and he's like trying to get to him. He throws the large chunk of the plane off of Hawkeye, revealing that, you know, there he is half dead. And uh, Hawkeye is like, you know, did we get him? And Tony's just like, yeah, we, we, we got him. We got him good. And then right after this, the most important thing they do is that Iron Man takes Hawkeye to a doctor, you know, to a hospital. And, you know, they, they get him some uh, medical treatment. 
That's what happens, right? Uh, right, Scott? Check my no I'm looking at my notes. I don't have the ambulance scene here. <laughs> Let's see. Tony X response something? No, I don't see that either. No. No. Yeah. Weird. Huh. So so the next scene off this, what happens? Well, we do first of all, before that, Ultimo wakes up and um we see that there's a, a pair of hands furiously typing in some room somewhere. And uh there's a silhouetted mystery person telling Ultimo that they're going to bring Stark Enterprises to their arrogant knees. So we learn here, okay, Ultimo isn't acting on his own. He's being controlled again. Uh, it's not the Mandarin, obviously, but it's somebody else. It's some sort of hacker. Uh, we notice he doesn't look like a supervillain. He just looks like some kid wearing glasses. And, um, oh, on a side note, in that room, like, we see the kid's bedroom. Did you notice the poster on the wall? Uh, I miss it. was... Well, it was on there. Howard Stern. Well, that's his favorite guy. Some background artist, you know, put his uh, Howard Stern tribute in there. But, um, yeah, we don't really get the scene where Tony does the smart, responsible, right thing uh, in the moment. Yeah, we get the scene back at Stark headquarters where uh, Homer is now performing a body scan on Hawkeye as he's uh, lying flat in uh, Tony's laboratory. And, like, and again, I want to say this. They, they could have taken him to a doctor... Because no one in that room is a doctor. We have an AI. You have a scientist. Like, I, I guess was Iron, Iron Man's a billionaire scientist. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the only other person there has spider powers. But she's not a doctor. She's an executive. She's an executive. I'm sure she's very professional. And I'm sure in her, you know, she's done a first aid course. But no one's a doctor. Nobody <laughs> has any medical degree to help Hawkeye. But instead they thought, let's just take him in, in, back inside and uh, scan him. And that's what they do. Now, Homer, we should mention, he's the AI in this series, but he can take a human's form. He's like a, uh, a holographic, translucent green cartoon person. So he's like standing around. He can walk around. So that's what we get here. So he's diagnosing Hawkeye, and he's basically the doctor standing at bedside, you know, in, the, in, in this situation. We learn Hawkeye has extreme neurological damage to the lumbar region of his spine. He has a 99% chance of total paralysis and a 73% chance of death. And uh, Tony, rightfully so, blames himself, uh, taking off his helmet. And he's ready to, like, fling his helmet across the room. It gets very dramatic. It is a dramatic thing where he's like, like, this shouldn't happen. Like, a friend shouldn't let this happen. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, it was your fault. You did, you did this to him. I mean, beforehand you were saying like he was a garbage person and you're about to get into a fight, but you know, you let him you let some debris land on him and now he's, you know, paralyzed. But fortunately, Tony just happens to remember in that moment that Stark Enterprises in Europe has just developed a chip that returns motor function in ninety seven percent of patients with severe spinal trauma. What a, a great coincidence. And uh, Tony's optimism Immediately deflated because Homer explains, well, there's no known procedure to place the chip in the area of the spine where Hawkeye needs it. And surgery will result in immediate death. So, I don't how's that <laughs> how's that work? Here's the thing, it's like it's just his lower lumbar and like the kind of surgery. I think the worst would happen like he can't walk or he'd be paralyzed from the waist down. I thought this, but instead it's like, no, he's gonna die. Like death, guys. Yeah, I mean I don't know. I'm not a doctor. Again, no one no one in that room is a doctor. I'm not a doctor. Nobody in that room is a doctor, and yet that well, that's the thing. It's like you know, everyone in that room is not, is not getting any medical advice. By the way, I mean, a robot, well, an AI is telling him the Wikipedia version or whatever you would say of how to fix Hawkeye, but they're not a doctor. 
Um, my favorite part here is that, and again, this is again, no one's a doctor, and I think the human body is a weird, weird, weird situation in this episode because Iron Man, like, he's still, he's got his helmet off and he's wearing the Iron Man suit. He, he sits back in his chair, he's like, ah, ah, he's like so frustrated. And then, then Spider Woman comes around and gives him a, a shoulder massage yeah. through, through the armor. Because the thing is, you thought like she just, she's either holding him still or just like resting her hands on him. But no, she's actually apparently rubbing his shoulders because he reacts. He's like, ah, uh, ah. Uh. It's like, I don't know how that works. It's so funny you saw that. I, I wrote that in my notes too. I was going to ask if you saw that. That was so funny. It was like, that's not much of a massage. It's like, how are you massaging him through like thick steel or what the hell? But like, apparently it works. He's like, he gets relaxed and he comes up with a new plan. That's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's the weirdest thing to see him kind of go, oh, let me rub those shoulders if I can find it through this metal shoulder piece thing that you got going on here. She's, she must be in a, she must have very strong hands. But I just, I love the scene. It's so funny. It's like, sad, happy, sad. And then you get this massage through metal. And then then Tony gets another great idea. Okay, well, Iron Man will implant the chip himself. And Homer, you know, does not compute, can't process the information, saying, like, you'd have to be the size of an atom. Which, by the way, come on, the size of an atom? That's way too small. Someone should have caught that in the script. I think like Hank, again. I think this is Hank Pym's doing where he's like, yeah, 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 be an atom. I mean, shrink down. I mean, it's not like I do that all the time. Yeah, I mean, when you think about it, this would have been the perfect episode to like give a, an Ant Man cameo, you know, or, or like his own episode where he shows up and helps, or they seek his help, and you get an extra character in an episode, and you could say goodbye at the end, and he doesn't show up again. But no, Iron Man's going to do it himself. He's going to shrink way down. We're not going to call it the size of an atom because it's not but also like he's he's going to attempt to use the machine that didn't work yeah you know? that too it, it's like a, it's like having a microwave which didn't heat up your burrito and you're like well it's time to cool down this lasagna it's like it didn't do the thing that you wanted it to do how's it gonna do the other thing that you want it to do yeah yeah it doesn't make sense and so cutting back to uh ultimo because while this is all going on with them talking about hawkeye the controller of ultimo we see that this kid is interested in a computer terminal that's in Tony's jet that will give him access to Homer. Now, why is that there? <laughs> Who knows? But <laughs> so, like, why didn't he just pick up the jet? Like when they left, just hold on to jet and walk away. Yeah, just yeah, take it away. Just walk away. I mean, the execution is very oh, it's so silly. It is. And now, so Ultimo stomps over to the plane wreckage. He reaches into the open cockpit and, like, sticks his index finger in and presses a button on the on the instrumentation panel. Like, his finger, his finger is the size of a door. Like, yes. Like, the thickness, like, from top to bottom of, like, a front door of your house. That's, a, that's the tip of his finger. Hitting a small, I'd say, CD button. Yeah, exactly. It's like a giant finger like that trying to turn on an Xbox. But also, I don't know why the controls or, like, he has some sort of connection to Homer Vyrie's aircraft. Yeah, why? I Yeah, I have no idea. That that makes no sense. Why the, the jet was the the way to get access to the computer systems. But um, instantly, the mystery man, this kid, is given access to all of the supercomputers just by doing that. We should mention, too, he's typing away furiously on a keyboard. It's not like he has a joystick or, like... <laughs> You know, virtual reality gloves you might have seen in a 
thing in the 90s. No, he's he's controlling Ultimo by keyboard. That's going to be so hard, especially this precise button press. That's <laughs> ridiculous. He's coding so hard. He's doing so many it's so much script. <laughs> So back at Stark Enterprises, they work on reversing the polarity of the molecular expander, and it turns it into a shrink ray. And Julia is skeptical, because Tony just said, you know, it's two years from being perfected, and now he's going to potentially put himself in danger by using it on himself. But Tony feels like, well, as an enlarger, it's not ready, but as a shrink ray, it might work perfectly. It's like, that makes... Again, makes no sense. But he he said he's you know he's willing to try for this longtime friend of his, even though they weren't currently on good terms. And really, Tony owes it to him. It's really Tony's fault. No, Tony owes him to go to a doctor and get medical help. It's like that's true. It's like Tony, <laughs> this is not your wheelhouse. Stop trying to do this. But he's like, nah, I'm gonna take this microchip and just jam it in my friend, and everything's gonna be a okay. I'm not a doctor. You know, it's just. This is not going to go well. Now, in this scene, we also see that Homer is acting strange uh, because, you know, the whole computer system is compromised. So he's talking like Max Headroom. Uh, he's blinking red instead of his normal green color. He's also acting forgetful. And he's uh, he tells Tony it's important that he makes it out of Hawkeye's body in 118 minutes or his cells won't return to normal and he'll come back crushed. So remember that 118 minutes. It's like another, and like, what, what, I, I don't know why animated shows always wanted to go on these body adventures, you know? I think everyone, every, everyone loved Inner Space so much. Yeah, we have to mention, we might as well mention it here. The idea of shrinking down to like a microscopic level, entering somebody's body, it's been done so many times before. Obviously, the most famous one is Fantastic Voyage, the 1966 movie. And then the the 1987 movie Inner Space, the the Dennis Quaid Martin short comedy, so good, it's so good. Yeah, it's it's so funny, and well, we'll we'll talk a little more about that. But um, about Inner Space, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have another Inner Space comment later on, but oh, good. Yeah, just this is well trod territory. But it is, and they actually t did talk to uh, people within the medical realm. We'll say they talked about like how can this actually work? It's like well, here's the thing: your body like pumps blood around your body like from head to toe, and it's like it, it like in the in these you know television episodes or movies, it always seems to be very slow. Where it's like I'm gonna hit the bloodstream, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna go here, and it's like they can casually go from one part to another. It's like no, the blood but the body's <laughs> pumping blood like at a like a very high rate because that's your body trying to keep you alive it's not like you know you can casually hold onto a white blood cell or whatever like that and take a casual boat trip to the heart <laughs> you know it doesn't work like that your body's is, is pumping blood at a high pressured rate you know more or less you die at any point of, inside the body anyway yeah we'll, we'll we'll get into his navigation in, in just a second here <laughs> But uh, cutting back to the guy that hacked Ultimo and Stark's computers, he now watches on video camera. He, he has access to surveillance footage. So he sees Iron Man and Julia, and he now knows the plan to shrink down and enter Hawkeye's body. So we next see Julia wearing eye protection, and she's typing, and she's getting the, the shrinking sequence all set up. Iron Man, standing under the beam, scales down until he's nothing but, you know, it's just like a little twinkle of animation. A robotic arm with a microscope slides over the spot on the floor, and using a monitor, Julia is amazed to see that Iron Man is the size of a molecule, as she says. Again, that seems a little too small, but okay, it's better than an atom. 
So as Julia grabs a Petri dish full of saline, Iron Man uses his armor switching power to switch to hydro armor, which this is like a golden color submarine armor. And it has a glass dome over the Iron Man helmet. Seems a little redundant. He, he looks like uh, one of the G.I. Joe guys. That's <laughs> basically it. You have that huge okay. dome over the top. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, it's his, you know, you can tell it's his aquatic suit because he all goes yellow, like a yellow submarine. Yes. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. That's funny. So Iron Man flies into the saline. He stashes the chip into a compartment on his back and he's sucked up by a syringe. A robot arm brings the syringe over to Hawkeye, and Iron Man intravenously swims into Hawkeye's bloodstream. Uh, so far, so good, but we can see more evidence of Homer stuttering and forgetting things. And uh, immediately, though, Iron Man has problems. He gets slammed by a white blood cell. He finds out that the current is so strong he can't fight it without using his thrusters. And that's really not an option because it would do even more damage to his friend. So he lets himself be carried. I, I was looking at the map, like the scanner that's up there. Mm. So he's letting himself be carried all the way from the collarbone area to the heart. Iron Man, who is usually pretty smart, decides to swim right into a heart valve, <laughs> jamming himself and giving Hawkeye a heart attack. Yeah, again, <laughs> Iron Man is not a doctor. Tony Stark is... No one, no one, again, no one is a doctor. And yeah, his whole plan is like, one... He's injured his friend. And two, he's about to kill his friend with his own body. <laughs> but getting stuck in a heart valve. And it's like, like this has gone yeah. from... Wor like, initially, Hawkeye walks in. He's angry with Iron Man. Well, Tony Stark. Then Tony Stark gets mm -hmm. him injured. Then now he's on a slab. And he's about to murder him with technology. It's a weird situation. Especially if you had to explain it to Hawkeye. Where it's like, hey, uh, nearly murdered you twice. Just want you to know that. <laughs> It's 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 terrible because not only is he killing Hawkeye now, he's killing himself because he's getting crushed by this heart valve. And uh, in this moment, we're we're held in suspense and we cut to commercial. So from here, the show goes into a commercial break. So we're gonna take a commercial break ourselves. We'll pay some bills and we'll be right back. Hey uh, Hamish, this uh, episode of Hitting Play is uh, brought to us uh, by a special sponsor this week. Oh, it is. Hold on, it's it's um uh Frank's good mattresses. Frank, known over five people for the last couple years, that's fake. Is good at mattress selling. Hey, you yes. like sleeping? I do too. Yeah. Reading normally. Oh, that's sorry. That's written on there. Um, yeah. Frank knows what's up. It's about getting down on a mattress. Frank knows it. You know it too, because I talked to Frank. Frank said, "Good mattress, good." Frank, go get one. Frank mattress. You wrote Frank mattress. Frank's mattress. It says good, good mattress. Frank knows it. Tell people. And then there's a list nope. of eggs, bacon, fish, cheese. Well, it's just written on a piece of paper. Um, yeah, should have just typed it out. Well, it wasn't an email. We kind of just mailed it in. Frank mattress. Right, well, good. I read that. Oh, that's good. Oh, he wants. Right, well. That's what he wanted me to read. But right, why is that it counts the as bottom? An ad. Do we get paid for this? And we're back. 
All right, so when we return, if you remember, Iron Man uh, continues to put himself in harm's way and gives his friend a heart attack at the same time. Uh, Tony realizes he needs to get Hawkeye's heart to fibrillate, and the best approximation to the paddles, you know, that they use in hospitals is that, oh, he has a uh, magnetic electrical charge. So he changes to his magnetic armor with his you know, changing ability, and which this armor, it looks very similar to the War Machine armor. And uh, he zaps the valve back into action with both hands. <laughs> I like how he does it internally rather than like maybe someone on the outside hitting with the paddles. Again, no one's yeah, a doctor. Julia couldn't have done that. No one's a yeah, doctor again. again. Yeah. Just nobody's a doctor. Everything's going <laughs> haphazard. It's like, you know, backyard dentistry. It's just, it's just not a good idea. So back to his mission and, and back in the hydro armor once again, Iron Man continues to swim down the bloodstream. Homer, who is supposed to be the one that's like communicating with Tony in his earpiece, he's going crazy saying things like, woohoo, surf the internet. <laughs> so now, now entering the liver, Julia tells him that, oh yeah, it's, it's a function of the liver to absorb iron into the bloodstream. And right away, Tony can see his armor is slowly being dissolved. He says he can smell it. Mm. Doesn't make sense. He has a helmet and a dome over the helmet, so he might be smelling something else. You know. yes, yeah. Also, just on a side note, um, the voice of uh, Homer is done by uh, Tom Kane, who's, yes. who some people might know from uh, Monkey Island game series. Yeah, another prolific voice actor here. Yeah, Curse of Monkey Island. I'm only bringing this up because later on. Okay. <laughs> No, but uh, so we get this scene, right? Tony's being dissolved in the liver and all this stuff. It's at this point where I asked myself, why didn't Iron Man just make sure to be injected into Hawkeye's lower back? <laughs> like, this is all such a waste of everybody's time. And it just, why he's going through the collarbone area to the heart, down to the liver. It, it Again, no sense. So Iron Man asks Homer for directions to an artery to leave, but Homer is just saying random words and giggling at this point. Iron Man switches to his super durable lava armor until he can swim, you know, his way out of there on his own. We should mention, too, the lava armor. It might have had its own action figure. I think so. It's gray and red, pretty standard design, different colors. Mm. Homer's cracking more jokes. Iron Man is wondering now at this point, you know, like, what's wrong with Homer? And this cuts to the hacker, who is chuckling to himself as he commands Homer to shut down Stark Enterprises' security systems, which I wouldn't worry about that, considering what Ultimo just did. Like, if nothing gets set off by Ultimo walking around and the jet crashing into the control tower, I, you probably have no security systems to shut down. I, anyway. I just, so. think, I, I just think it's way too easy. Like he's he's, <laughs> he's talking easy. he's talking to he's he's now talking to Homer, isn't he? Because I think he says Gomer. Yeah, he calls him Gomer. Yeah. Like, is that a reference to Gomer Pyle? I guess the old Jim Neighbors character. Like, kids are supposed to know that. Maybe I mean maybe it's just him making fun of it. The whole <laughs> thing, but it's like this this you know um, troll decides just to be like, hey, Gomer, blah blah blah. Yeah. He just, he just seems like an, he seems to have picked the wrong day to really annoy Tony Stark. I gotta say. <laughs> now, Homer's holographic face, we see it stretching and contorting as he's trying to fight the command, but he finally gives in, allows the hacker to make Ultimo stomp his way into the Stark complex. So cutting back to Iron Man, he tells Julia that he's swimming up the carotid artery up to Hawkeye's brain, which, oh, all right, no. let's just stop I, here I, for Again, a he's not a doctor. This is going to kill him, probably. 
this is awful for a couple of reasons, but just like if you're kind of picturing in your mind Tony's journey. Now, remember, he's going to the lower back. That's where he wants to go. So he goes from the arm, which is the how he intravenously entered. So he goes from the arm to the collarbone, down to the liver. Oh, th- from the uh, collarbone in through the heart, down mm. to the liver. And now he's going up in through the neck to the brain. So he does, it's like, where are you going? He seems to be he seems to be very lost. And again, not a doctor. Yes, not a doctor. But not only that, like how horrible this whole journey is, he's like, Oh, I'm going to the brain, and then he makes the comment, Hope I don't miss it. Uh... It's like this is your friend who risked his life to save you. It's like what an absolute jerk. It's like he he I feel like in some way he just wants to kill him. But like, if I make it look like I'm helping, maybe it looks like I'm helping. Yeah. <laughs> Again, totally not a doctor, just trying to murder his friend. So Julia tells Tony, Hawkeye is stable, but something is definitely wrong with Homer. Homer, meanwhile, is dancing around, and he's singing this song, and he sings, My name is Tina, I'm a ballerina, my name is Cyrus, I gotta... And that's when Julia realizes Homer has a virus. Or some sort of computer bug. And uh, Tony recalls that he and Julia were going to demonstrate the Stark antivirus program at the computer conference in Detroit. Like, again, another great coincidence. <laughs> they, they have everything going for them. They really do. It's like, hey, that thing that's going to save us, we were going to make it. Oh, it's been made. <laughs> yeah, everything's already been made. Yeah, that's great. So uh, while Julia runs off to get the program, Homer continues with this nonsense. And I only mention it because uh, he says, uh, Peter Parker picked a peck of pickled porpoises. So we get a little Spider-Man reference in there, Peter Parker. So anyway, um, panning up to the uh, circular opening in the ceiling, we see the looming face of Ultimo. And <laughs> he rips the dome roof off the building. And the, the hacker turns the beam uh. around of the machine straight at Ultimo. Uh. So while all this is happening... Julia, this is great too. She inserts this giant floppy disk into a computer because it, it is 1994, and so she's working on the antivirus. Again, it's just that the giant robot is able to pull the roof off quietly. <laughs> have a have a peek inside, like the cover of a. Well, he's like he's, he basically looks like he's he's this giant robot that's peeking inside, just like yes. the cover of a what was it Queen's News of the World. <laughs> that's what it looks like to me and the, but for some reason nobody hears it nobody sees this no it's very quiet it's fine it's like the giant stealth robot i don't get it so meanwhile inside of hawkeye iron man has now reached his electrically charged brain <laughs> and he makes another insensitive remark he says uh, wow who'd have thunk it hawkeye's brain is pulsating with energy yeah, again, calling your friend stupid when he's this close to death. That's, you know, really nice. But uh, comeuppance is immediate, because Iron Man is electrocuted by Hawkeye's brain cells. <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> so, back to Julia. Now the, the computer alarms are going crazy, and Homer tells her that, oh, Iron Man has to be out of Hawkeye in 9.5 minutes. And Julia is shocked, thinking he had almost two hours. Remember... The number was 118 minutes, not 9.5. Homer jokes, oh, it must have been a teensy error. Now, let me ask you, Hamish, because I had some questions about this part of the episode. Yes. Was this supposed to be a callback to the opening scene where Tony is so tired that he thinks a 1 is a 100? Uh, I guess so. I mean, it's it's not not vague. Is it, though? It's it's just, here's the thing. Either it's because he got hacked... And so that's why you get the numbers mixed up. 
So possibly, but maybe it was because I he don't... hit the wrong button. And he was like, "Oh, it's put another zero there." <laughs> it's, it's so weird though, because at the beginning Tony was the one making the error, not Homer, and it's because he was tired. You know, he saw the mm. the the ten as the one hundred. So did Homer think a uh, one hundred eighteen was an eleven point eight? Because like the math would work out a little bit, mm. but again. It's like it was Tony making the error from being tired. I, I hope that's not what they were going for because it makes zero sense, but it would not surprise me. Well, remember, here's the thing. And also, I'm just going to add to this because, again, remember, Tony's not a doctor. No one's a doctor there. <laughs> but also remember, Tony's very tired. And he was making a mistake in the beginning of this whole thing. That's true. And now it's like, <laughs> well, it's time to shrink myself down and uh, <laughs> just go inside my friend and... Um, uh, we're gonna go in a situation and uh, be, it'll be good. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, we're, I know how, we're, if we're all tired at some point, like, we've had, like, very late nights and, you know, y- you you don't work optimally when you're very tired. With uh, yeah. Iron Man in this situation, I'm surprised he's functioning at all. That's very true. He didn't even drink his coffee. Yeah, that's true, too. He did not drink the coffee. So, we next cut to more nonsense, because the hacker... At this point, he's watching on the cameras, and he's watching Julia panic because of all of this. And he makes the comment, I don't know if you caught this, Ha! Ah, like a deer caught in the hunter's headlights. It's like, okay, I'm not a hunter. I've never been hunting before. But I don't think a deer hunter hunts deer by sneaking up in the car and flashing the high beams on them. It's like, the phrase, a deer caught in headlights, yeah, I've heard that because, you know, you're driving... Mm and encounter a deer in the road at night, they can get disoriented, they get frozen in place from the headlights. Yeah. Fine. But why Why a hunter? <laughs> Maybe he's confusing. He's thinking like a hunter drives around in the woods in his car and just <laughs> whacks into animals. Like he's, his weapon of choice is the Toyota Hilux. <laughs> other, other people bring rifles, but he's like, nah, just fill up the Hilux, let's uh, go into some bushes and uh, hunt some fowl. <laughs> And uh, for, for American listeners, uh, we'll, we'd say uh, Ford Explorer. Oh, yeah. You want to get it right. Oh, yeah, Jeep, we don't, we don't or the Jeep Grand Cherokee. There you go. <laughs> the perfect weapon to, to hunt birds. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that. Like a deer caught in the hunter's headlights. Yeah. Or, unless the, the hunter is wearing a hat with headlights on it. Maybe that's what it is. Unless if the deer is fixing the car and he's at the front and then the lights come on. He's like, oh, didn't expect that. Gotcha, right in the dealership, you stupid deer. Uh, anyway, while Julia now warns Tony of his very limited time, the hacker has the syringe with the now shrunken Ultimo ejected into Hawkeye. Okay, wait, wait, so here's the thing. Ma- He's activating the machine, yeah. shrunk down the big robot man, put him into like yep. the saline solution, and like no one's watching this machine automatically move over and step itself <laughs> into, the, into Hawkeye. Yes, because remember, Julia's on the computer trying to get the antivirus to kick in for uh, Homer. And, and no one's paying attention. No one's, I like that. She's like doing the computer stuff. And I was like, oh, let me just get on the Norton antivirus. But also this medical situation <laughs> that we're dealing with, especially with Hawkeye's life, we're going to ignore that for a couple of minutes. This is fine. You don't hear the roof being cracked off. You don't hear Ultimo stomp around. You don't hear the even the machinery with the syringe being like... Yeah. <laughs> like, she doesn't hear anything. I d- like, again, no one's a doctor. No one's a doctor. Uh, Hawkeye's, Hawkeye is better off dead than dealing with this, this nightmare situation. 
Uh, so Ultimo is now ejected into Hawkeye. He's in there along with Iron Man, but Iron Man is now too close to stop. Finally, he's there at the spinal injury, and I just love how easy it is to fix a spinal injury. He takes the chip and he just plugs the severed nerves like right into it. Yeah, that's it. Again, not a doctor, but this is this is how he thinks science works. Also, I don't know why the guy shrinking down Ultimo to go after Iron Man or was it to kill Hawkeye? It doesn't make sense because like if you have the giant robot and Iron Man's incapacitated by being inside another guy who can't do anything, the only person who can fight you is Spider-Woman. Why don't you just crush the building? Yes, I had that in my notes. Stomp on him. Yeah. Stomp on Hawkeye. What's he going to do? <laughs> Nothing. And Julia's not even there. Exactly. This whole This whole part of the episode makes no sense. Yeah. The better plan is to keep Ultimo big. Yeah, but it says, like, put him inside the other guy. <laughs> That's what happens. So, so again, Iron Man now has the chip, puts it right there, plugs the nerves in, because people are Legos. It's so easy. Julia whoops with excitement. Hawkeye's EKG immediately starts beeping, and she even tells Iron Man that she loves him. Mm. Now... Why is the heart monitor kicking in from the chip being installed? I have no idea, but we have to move on. So essentially, he, essentially he was dead. Yes. <laughs> Poor guy was dead. Or they just remembered that they forgot to plug in the thing. It's like, oh, wait, there we go. Now it works. But then the EKG makes no sense because the celebration that they have is short-lived, obviously. Mm. The EKG next starts beeping rapidly and the scanner shows, oh, there's another person in there other than Tony. It's like, why would that make the EKG beep rapidly? So we'll just assume it's a super advanced Stark EKG that detects general well-being. Yeah. It's, so that's, that's what it, it is. It detects good vibes. And if there's bad <laughs> vibes, it gets crazy. Yes. So cutting back inside of Hawkeye, Iron Man turns around and finds Ultimo heading right at him. And we see the reflection of Ultimo growing on Iron Man's hydro armor dome. And we cut to commercial. So at this point, the show goes into another commercial break. We'll take a commercial break ourselves. We'll pay some bills and we'll be right back. Yeah, so uh, Hamish, I don't know about you, but I like uh, cooking my own meals, and we have a great sponsor this week that can help people that also like to cook their own meals. Oh, uh, yeah, uh, from a group called Green Shirt. Green Shirt, you like food. Yeah. Says Green Shirt. If you subscribe to Green Shirt, what they will do is send you a box every month. The box is empty. Fill it with food and send it back to them. They're desperately hungry. Seriously, this is the only way we can get food. I'm... Agrophobic? And... Is that what it says? It says it here. And I can't leave the house. Please give me food. But also pay me for the box because... I need... To buy them because I'm not leaving the house. Wait, Frank the Mattress Guy had a green shirt. Is that what that is? Hang on. Oh, okay, hold on. Send me food. Care of... Yeah, that's Frank. Frank Enterprises. Oh, he's an enterprise now? Okay. I thought this was one of those things where they you cook your own food. Well, it says here, cook me food. Send it to me yeah, in the box. Him. So basically, he's sending a box that's empty, put food in it, and send it to him. But he's paying us to read this to who, then? To ourselves? Is Frank 
Is he, is he still in his house? Like, I'm surprised. He, does he know to use the computer? Because it's again. It's, I mean, I. I don't, this is just another letter. We picked the paper up from him, but I didn't think of anything of it. I just figured he was home. That's that makes no sense. I think Frank's just been sitting at home listening to podcasts. This is this can't be a good business, can it? No, we can't. Yeah, forget this. Yeah. Okay, let's just go back to the show. All right, and we're back. Okay, when we return, Iron Man swims away from Ultimo, trying to lead him away from the injury site. Ultimo fires a blast from his hand, missing Iron Man, but hitting some internal part of Hawkeye, which causes him to raise his left arm, which scares Julia. It's like, they're not in the brain, so I don't know what's going on. I guess he got some nerve somewhere. Uh, Tony tells Julia, you know, keep Hawkeye still, and making the comment that she should tie him up like an old boyfriend if she has to. This is not a good time for this kind of stuff. It really, again, like, his life's statement. on the line, and now you're having a fight with a... Here's the thing, I like how the giant robot now is man size. Yes, I, I had that in my notes, too. Like, you can control how much he shrinks. Why did you make, like, a fair fight? He's the exact same size as Tony now. <laughs> yeah. Everything's relative, because now he's fighting him perfectly. Yeah. So Ultimo now tackles Iron Man from behind, causing Hawkeye to convulse and groan. And in this scene, you can see, like, exactly, like you said, they're the exact same size. It's just another reason why this plan was stupid. So they, they begin to have this fight. Iron Man makes the assumption that whoever is controlling Ultimo also compromised Homer's programming. And at this, at this exact moment, Homer tells Iron Man, oh, the antivirus software has just kicked in and he is locking out the hacker. Like, all well, this... This is all working out pretty well. So they, Ultimo and Iron Man, they continue to spar. Iron Man doesn't want to use his repulsor beams, you know, because he doesn't want to, like, blast a hole through Hawkeye. So he transforms his suit into his radiation armor and fires x-rays from his eyes at Ultimo's face. And he, he then makes the joke, as my dentist always says, a little x-ray never hurt anyone. It's like, no, that's not true at all. <laughs> This makes, again, it's like, I'm not going to fire uh, my boosters, I'm not going to fire my lasers, but I will nuke my friend from the inside. Yeah, he's cooking them like a baked potato. Oh, but, uh, of course, it's <laughs> x-rays, but x-rays are dangerous. Like, that's terrible. Or, or your dentist is terrible. Either way. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the greatest villain of them all. Tony Sucks <laughs> dentist. The dentist. Uh, we should mention, too, for those keeping track, the radiation armor... It's like an Iron Man, but in a bluish color, and he has these yellow and orange radiation symbols on the shoulders. I don't think they ever made a action figure of that, I don't think. But uh, with Ultimo dazed, Iron Man slams him into Hawkeye's adrenal gland, which imprisons him with some sort of long, <laughs> fibrous strands. And then Iron Man fires a beam from his hand, you know, the thing he just said he didn't want to do. And this somehow electrifies the overloaded adrenal gland and electrocutes Ultimo. Ultimo groans and finally shuts down, and now with only two minutes left to escape, Iron Man grabs Ultimo and makes a break for Hawkeye's lungs, explaining to Julia that to travel all the way out to the IV would take too long. And now we get this weird scene here. He asks Julia to hustle to the lab kitchen to get some pepper. And not pepper mm. pots. This is... Yeah. Pepper. Actually, actually pepper. 
Yeah, the stuff they're using popcorn, which is what he says. Yeah, he mentions that, you know, the stuff for, like, popcorn? And Julia finds this really confusing, and she mentions it a lot in the next couple of minutes. Like, popcorn? Popcorn? I don't, I don't get it. I, I don't know. I just love that Tony has a lab kitchen, too. I like how uh, Tony, again, no one, again, no one's a doctor. No one's a doctor. <laughs> and this, this is, this is how it's going to work. It's like, yeah, I'm going to bring him out of this. He's in a coma, right? Isn't he or something? Yeah. He's in, he's unconscious. Yeah. But he's unconscious for a while. Like they didn't put a sedative in him. He's just like coma. Coma. Yeah, he's just out. Yeah. But so, so Pepper's going to bring him back. <laughs> well, Julia retrieves the pepper. She sprinkles it on Hawkeye's nose and grabs a lab dish just in time to catch Iron Man and Ultimo as they are sneezed out. And that's, you know, the the joke. You got to get some boogers in there because it's a kid's show in the 90s. But she uh, places the dish on the molecular expander and the two are brought back to their normal sizes, by the way. Like, Iron Man shows up regular size. Ultimo <laughs> keeps growing until yeah. he's huge. <laughs> That's the stupidest thing. It's like, why don't you just regrow Iron Man, keep Ultimo that size, like the small size, but yeah. instead just like, let's just do both of them. And you see like, yeah, Iron Man saying like, wow, I made out of this one. And Ultimo's like, <laughs> still getting huge in this tiny lab. Now, um, remember I mentioned I had one more note on inner space mm-hmm. and how this plot has been done many times before. Well, this whole story element of running out of time and rushing to the lungs and getting sneezed out for a quick exit, that's exactly from the movie Inner Space. Like, they just ri- totally ripped off the end of Inner Space. Well, you know, it's a, it's a classic film. You know, yep. everyone, everyone loves it. I, I mean, yeah, we're still talking about it today. I don't know if you could ever reboot it. Please don't. No, but you know, it's funny too, because, uh, you know, watching this episode and taking the notes and everything, it reminded me, we watched Inner Space in school. Like, that was like, it's supposed to be yeah. like an educational thing to watch, because it, it taught you parts of the body. I thought that was pretty funny. But yeah, sneezing, that's that's the uh, the exact same thing from Inner Space. And I, I had to look up Fantastic Voyage. I'm like, did, now, was that a ripoff of Fantastic Voyage? No. In Fantastic Voyage, they exited through a tear duct. Hmm. So crazy. So Julia is so excited to see Tony. She kisses him and quickly apologizes. Again, we get more of that, you know, interpersonal drama. They get a little flirty. They talk more about the pepper on the popcorn as they begin to walk away. But just then Mm -hmm. Ultimo roars back to life and the hacker has Ultimo blast them. This thing, they completely forgot about the giant robot. Yeah. Yeah. They just let him like, oh, we'll just leave him here. Yeah. Iron Man is so low on energy, he can't fight back at this point. So Julia finally, you know, she's Spider-Woman. She's a superhero. She finally gets her moment to shine here. So we see her. She flips like a gymnast towards Ultimo. She picks up and throws a large desk at him because she does have, you know, super strength as well. She fires webbing from her outstretched hands at his foot and then yanks it. That sends him to the floor. He gets up and continues blasting, and we see more of her spider-like abilities as she scales the walls, dodging his attacks. So it's it pretty cool to get some uh, Julia Carpenter action scenes, you know, thrown in here. But it's not enough. Just then, an arrow strikes Ultimo, shutting him down for good. And there's Hawkeye wielding his trusty bow. Just then, he, like, after he does that, he weakly falls to his knees, complaining that his beauty rest was interrupted. And did you catch this? Tony replies, that's a shame. You need all you can get. Yeah, again, just, what is this relationship? Yeah, I'm starting to see why people don't like Tony. He's a bit of a bad person, (laughs) personality-wise. 
But yeah, here's the thing, like, Hawkeye, who again, I don't know if he's unconscious or he's like in a coma, able to get up, fire <laughs> off a, an arrow and be like, hey guys, I am back. You know, it's like... And then he collapses. <laughs> he collapses. And again, they still still didn't do that shirt properly. They kept him popping it in and out. Yeah, I gotta go back and see that. I didn't notice it. That's funny. Yeah, they kept him like recoloring. Like they didn't, they couldn't figure out either he's wearing a shirt or he's wearing suspenders. It's it's strange. <laughs> Meanwhile, while that was all going on, Homer was running a systems check and now knows the source of the hackers. So Tony suggests a little payback would taste real good, and Homer agrees. So we next cut to the small suburban house. Inside, there's the kid with the glasses typing away at his computer. On the screen, we see Ultimo, from his point of view, blasting Iron Man and, and his friends as the hacker cheers him on. But just then, Hawkeye kicks the bedroom door open with his bow drawn. Iron Man's right behind him, and they're surprised to see that this hacker is just some snot-nosed kid. And the hacker's confused because there on the monitor, he sees, like, the smoking dead bodies of Iron Man and Hawkeye. And Hawkeye just reveals, oh, that's just a computer-generated image. Yeah. It's like, wow, it must be really good then. But, like, what was he watching on the screen before all this was happening? Like, there must have been some space between Ultimo getting knocked out and... I don't know. Hmm. But we, we learned that this whole plot was hatched because this kid had applied for work at Stark's computer science division six times. In six times, he received a letter saying he was too young and should reapply after college. And so he laughs maniacally, feeling, you know, he made his point. He should never be denied. And, you know, we get the, all, all you've proved is you've got a lot of growing up to do. And that'll take place in reform school and we we next see the police standing in the doorway <laughs> like taking the kid <laughs> away <laughs> uh, he's uh, like yeah like they just turn up at his house again like does he live alone or, like with family or anything like that it's just they turn up at his house and they're like well you're gonna jail <laughs> and it's like okay cool also i like how the guy the design of the guy looks kind of like uh like a knockoff peter parker yeah, yeah. It really yeah, reminded me of the the MCU Peter Parker, you know, like... Yeah. Yeah. But uh, now standing outside, Iron Man and Hawkeye, they're still in disbelief that this whole ordeal took place because of a stupid grudge. And Iron Man, he tries to use that to segue into him and Hawkeye burying the hatchet because of Hawkeye's grudge. But instead, Hawkeye walks away, still bitter at Tony for the demise of the team. And he manages to mutter a, you know, thanks for saving my life. But they part ways. And that, that kind of ends that part of the story. No, I just like how the fact that he walks away. Like, they're in, they're in suburbia. You know, the Iron Man and Hawkeye. And they're standing, like, standing there watching them take away the kid in the police car. But it's like, Hawkeye's like, eh, I don't need you. And he just kind of walks off. Yeah, where are you going? It's <laughs> like, are you going to get into a cab or a car or something? What's going to happen, buddy? I know, Iron Man probably flew him there, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. I'm thinking Iron Man, like, bought him there. And they're all ready and geared up to, I'd say, fight the kid. Because he's in his armor. Not just like Tony Stark going, hey, hey, what's the deal? That's true. Then I remember, this is when they were still doing the whole, like, Iron Man and Tony Stark were two separate people kind of thing. Yes. Remember they yeah. did the whole thing like, oh, you know, Iron Man is the uh, bodyguard. Yeah, that's right. But uh, this whole thing, that ends and it picks up later where everybody reconciles by the end of the show. But this is not the end of the episode. So we get, as Hamish mentioned earlier... We get one final scene at an auction house where a ring is being displayed on a pillow as the next item up for bid. And the auctioneer calls it a most unusual ring with an unknown origin. 
and the bid starts at 5000 from a, a man in a cowboy hat. Right away he's outbid by a man standing in the back with a $10,000 bid, and we see it's the Mandarin. He's still on his quest to collect all the rings, and he's kind of just wearing, like, black cloth. You know, his, his, his regular Mandarin costume, I guess, is gone at this point. The, uh, the man in the hat bids 15000 Mandarin raises it to 20000 and the crowd gasps as the man in the hat ups the price to now 40000 and the Mandarin just bows in defeat, and he leaves. So, the man in the cowboy hat, he wins the ring. We cut to him in the parking lot, and he's just holding the ring up, like, looking at it, like, oh boy, look at this. <laughs> it's it's just stupid, because, like, the most powerful evil character just kind of karate chops him and takes it. Yeah. That's it. That's all he does. Gives him a chop in the back of the head, and uh, he makes some joke like i believe you've been outbid and also he says uh, mandarin says sold <laughs> and kind of laughs he walks away into the night and i i think I, I i paused it to look and i think this was his 10th ring so i think at mm. this point he was back to his full power again and he was super happy about it and he flew away and used some magic he just walks off yeah, just, everyone just walks. <laughs> everyone just walks off. There's no car. There's no, like, going off into a mist or, like, behind um, a wall or something like that. It's just like, well, goodbye. <laughs> it's like if you had the the end of Avengers in Infinity War, where, like, you know, instead of, instead of after just destroying everyone with a snap, Thanos is like, I did it. All right, catch around, guys. <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, no, he did the thing. Oh, man. Ah, man. Could have stopped him, but he's walking really fast. <laughs> but it's so funny. In this in this uh, episode, everyone's just walking. We almost got a jet taking off, but that didn't work. No, just a lot of walking. So as the Mandarin laughs and he walks away into the night, we get our closing credits with the Iron Man theme playing once again. We finish with the logos for Marvel Entertainment, Marvel Films, New World Entertainment. And that's the end of the episode, so... Hamish, what are your thoughts now upon rewatching an episode of Iron Man, the animated series for the podcast? Uh, I think it holds up. Uh, timeless classic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's funny to go back to these things because, again, like I, he's, I feel like they put a lot of effort into this show. I mean, as best they could for that time. Mm -hmm. And it was it, a lot of shows at the time were very. Uh, it's a weird mix of drama, a lot more drama, like kind of tossed in there with a lot of levity. Mm -hmm. You know, like, a character who's who's practically apparently dying, or is dead, or is alive. Again, not a doctor. Yeah. It's very confusing. Uh, and then they go on a body adventure. And then, you know, it, it's interesting that they tried to put in these kind of themes, especially the fact that, like, like oh, you should really bury the hatchet with your friend. It might be too late. Because, you know, you can't be angry at someone forever. Um, also, don't injure your friend. Especially mm. when it's your fault. Mm -hmm. And try and help your friend, especially if it's your fault. But also, don't see a doctor, especially if the injury is your fault. Also, really just, you know, cash all your chips into trying to save your friend. Even if you're not a doctor <laughs> and the situation involves a doctor, don't worry. You'll work it out. You know, yeah. Yeah. hopefully. Hopefully. Uh, and if your means of support, which is apparently a super sophisticated AI, is compromised, that's cool too. Don't worry. You'll figure <laughs> this out. Everything's great. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a, there's a lot to take away from it. But, uh, you know, again, I, I, I still remember the show as a, a, a fun show. Again, I wasn't bored watching no. the show. And I don't. And the other thing is, I don't think I learned anything. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think beyond learning, you know, don't be angry at your friends, I didn't learn anything about the body. It just made it seem like more of a mystery. 
Right, right, yeah, yeah. Very, very confusing uh, map uh, that we yeah. got of the of the human body. Yeah, I I love this show. You know, I like I mentioned, I have it on DVD, so that's that's from where I I watched it. And uh, the first season is uh, very simplistic. Second season, they kind of get it a little more serious, but. It's all a kid's show, and if you're watching it for that 90s nostalgia, it doesn't matter. It's it's very funny to see uh, the comics characters and Iron Man and his own show, which I always liked. It is funny because it I used to watch it in syndication uh, before school. They used to show it every day, Fantastic Four and Iron Man. And uh, when I watch the cartoon, it, it just reminds me of like getting ready for, I can't remember, 7th grade or 8th grade, like getting ready for school. So it is pretty funny to get that that feeling again, like, oh, I got to finish my breakfast and get, you know, get ready to go to school. But uh, it's pretty funny. If you haven't seen it yet, it's worth checking out just uh, just an episode at least to see what uh, these Marvel cartoons were were like in the 90s. A lot of them by episode were hit or miss. This one wasn't the best one. I like the ones where we get more of the Force Works team because it's it's fun to see the Marvel characters thrown in together. The more, the better. Overall, okay show. Not as good as X-Men. X-Men is still my favorite, but I, I enjoyed watching it. Well, that'll pretty much do it for this episode of Hitting Play. As always, you can email us with your comments, suggestions. If you tried pepper on popcorn, let us know. Whatever you got for us at hittingplayshow at gmail.com, or you can talk to us on Twitter at hittingplay. Now, Hamish, do you have anything you want to plug? Uh, I am alive, which is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am I am I'm on the street sometimes. Um, oh no, you can find me on like Twitter at Silent Hamish if you want to see some random things or tell me how wrong I am about all my assumptions. I'm also on Facebook at like Silent ha- Art, Silent Hamish Art. Great, I've really got to update that thing. I keep I think I said that last time I got to update it, but I keep getting sidetracked <laughs> with other things. It's like hey, I got to update this uh, Facebook page, but I basically I just update it with. Um, stuff that links me to my Instagram. And also, if you want to find me on Instagram, uh, Instagram Silent Hamish. I'm out there, on there, doing the things. I don't post cat videos, but I do look at a lot of cat videos. So, yeah. Okay. Just, uh, letting your people know. But up to you. Really, again, I'm not your dad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I'm on Twitter as well. I'm MC and Friends there on Instagram. I'm MC underscore and underscore friends. Uh, If you listen to us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, please subscribe. Leave us a five-star review. It really does help us out. And speaking of which, we got a five-star review from a user named Greg with the heading All the Chuckles. I'll just read this real quick. It says, I thoroughly enjoy these guys. I have more fun listening to them talk about and make jokes about the shows they cover than I do watching the episode itself. Their voices are intriguing, and I have a good time listening each time. So thank you very much, Greg. We appreciate it. And Hamish, I'm going to assume... That you're the one with the intriguing voice. Uh, maybe. <laughs> it could be you. Who knows? I, I would like to comment, if if no one knows what I look like on Twitter, this is from uh, Robert Christ, yes. or what underscore up underscore Rob. Uh, apparently he thinks I look like that character. I think it's Billy from Stranger Things Series 2. See, I haven't watched Stranger Things, but... What kind of podcast is this? <laughs> I thought, thought I was supposed to be watching all the geeky things. Sorry. Uh, ugh. But apparently, uh, I, I uh, if no one knows what I look like, his assumption is that I look like him. Which, if, if you know the actor, I'm trying to remember the actor's name. I think it's Darcy Montgomery. D-A-C-R-E Montgomery. Oh, D-A-C-R-E? I don't know how that's pronounced. 
Well, it'll go with the way I just said it. Um, but apparently, I look, he thinks I look like that. Billy from Series 2 of Stranger Things. With the mullet and the very <laughs> bad mustache. It's been a very mullety uh, podcast. Yeah, yeah, it's a good place for it here. All right. Some mullets, mullets from Tony Stark, Captain Planet, <laughs> Superman, and now Billy from Series 2 of Stranger Things. There you go. Well, thank you for the kind words, Rob. We appreciate it. Yeah. Also, for Android users, we're available to stream in or download on Stitcher, uh, TuneIn Radio, Google Play Music app. You can check us out on those platforms. Uh, if you have a Roku device, there's the TuneIn Radio channel. I think you can use that. And uh, Alexa as well, I think, maybe. So you can find us a whole bunch of places. So anywhere you listen to us, it's very much appreciated. Alexa, order toilet paper. <laughs> no, let's not do that to people. Well, we have been Hamish and Scott, and this has been Hitting Play. Thank you so much for listening. Now, let me just grab some pepper here. No, I don't know. Can you put on popcorn? Or just, <laughs> just, just put pepper in anything.